0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 211 of Hotline League. It is going to be a banger tonight, folks, because Mark Zimmerman has been grouchy all day long. I went to a stream earlier. He's had this blanket over himself. I'm not sure if he's gotten up from his chair, and uh, he's just angry. So uh, extra, extra warning to our callers tonight.
1: I've been in this chair for probably 12 hours today. Close well, not yet, but it will be about twelve hours. The two hours I was not in it because I got up around seven. Will be from cooking and eating dinner and watching Yu-Gi-Oh. We're on the Dungeon Dice Monsters arc. God, it's so fucking stupid. Dimensional, dimensionalize the dice. It's probably the worst, worst arc in Yu-Gi-Oh.
0: Well, have you already familiar with all the Yu-Gi-Oh arcs?
1: No, I think I stopped watching this after this arc because it was so bad.
2: Great. Well, I'm excited never, to keep... I've never watched Yu-Gi-Oh. To so,
0: unironically,
1: right. all those 90s shows, like Saturday morning cartoons you grew up with that were like anime, but like obviously we're trying to push a product at the same time, like Digimon, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, all those. Yu-Gi-Oh is unironically the best one to rewatch as an adult because it's so fucking dumb that I actually think the writers knew what they were doing, whereas a lot of the other ones are just not good. I'll take your word for it. You should try them all. Just (laughs) quick season one for all of them. Uh, And it's dark, that's true. There's a fucking man-eater bug that someone summons from the Shadow Realm and eats some henchmen. You're like, what the fuck?
0: Also here from his New Age tech office is James Dash Patterson. How's it going, James?
2: It's going quite well, thank you. Yeah. How are you?
0: Good to have you on. Uh, Going well, going well. I am uh, packing frantically because tomorrow I leave to Florida for the week. Because Full, full Sail is doing it's actually my first big trip uh, but Full Sail University is doing like a, a big event out there and they did like a sponsorship thing with me and I'm coming out and uh, enjoying and participating in it so I'll be in okay. Florida for this week which is not where I thought would be the first place I would go after um, the end of uh, well not that we're completely at the end but as things start to wind down but that's where I will be this week um, flying out tomorrow right. after resin refresh uh, but well, what you what you been up to lately Dash?
2: Uh not a ton. I mean, uh, I think most of the world at this point knows that I recently got a puppy. So uh got her at eight weeks old, five, six weeks ago at this point. So most of my life is fairly dominated by all of her needs at any you know given moment. Um, but she's been an absolute joy. Um, that's something I've wanted for a very long time, and so I'm glad I was finally able to make happen. Um, other than that. Uh, I mean, LCS kicking back up, and obviously, uh, you know, with a number of changes uh, between last year and this year that I'm sure maybe some of them will get into between over the course of the episode, year. but, you know, putting a heavy focus on trying to uh, t- turn some of that, you know, the sentiment around the, the product around. Um, and then otherwise, uh, working on some stuff behind the scenes that I can't quite, or I'm not quite ready to uh, to share just yet, but hoping to... Uh, get a couple of personal projects out there in front of people uh in the near future thanks uh,
0: league of legends yeah. related mm-hmm. or otherwise
2: uh otherwise okay so hmm.
0: i'm excited uh
1: only fans when exactly yeah. okay that's,
0: wow.
2: that's what we're working on yeah
0: i the first person on the broadcast to go for that and uh you're breaking new ground um is that something that you were able to, to get into your negotiations this year with the contract? Because I know, obviously, it's always like a battle with Ryan and yeah. the contract stuff. So
2: Yeah, there was a real sticking point this year around OnlyFans. Gotcha. Um, well, and, and that to, was- I don't know if
1: this, is, if this is
2: leaking too much, Dash, but specifically the
1: lower thirds that fly when all of our names pop up, Dash wanted his OnlyFans link right and his lower ah. thirds to people who would drive traffic. Yeah, yeah. I was okay I with them
2: removing my Twitter handle. I don't need that there anymore. Right. You know, just let's get people directly to OnlyFans.com/slash you know James Dash, and okay, uh, we'll Fantastic. start generating some more some more revenue.
0: Well, I'm glad you were able to break that on the on the show. Whatever you can, you Mark messaged me yesterday and was like, "Oh, Dash is down to come on the show." And I said, oh, is it to bro- talk about broadcast stuff? And he said, no, he's got a new project he really wants to promote. And what? I thought it was going to be something else, but apparently you're launching that. So congratulations.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what it is.
0: Yes, fantastic. Mark,
2: are you giving away my secrets? Yes.
1: That's, that's the only way I work, is I trade in yes. secrets. Yes. Classic Mark.
0: Uh, no, okay. There he is. Uh, well, good, good to hear from you. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the broadcast stuff, but normally... We check in with Mark at the beginning of the show just to find out what he's been watching. Anything besides Yu Gi Oh, Mark?
1: Uh, so Pam and Tommy, I forget if I shouted that out. That's really you good. Did. Started watching um the Dropout, which was a Wondery podcast that they made into a show about Elizabeth Holmes, the woman who like lied about healthcare shit. It's de- it's pretty good. I think I. I can't quite tell if I like it more or less than the podcast right now, but it's it's pretty good. It's interesting. Isn't there a ton
0: of that stuff lately? There, I feel like there's a ton of shows that are all about people who scam other people um, that are popular right now. Maybe like the Tinder swindler show. I know nothing about it, but people have talked about that as well.
1: I got to be honest, the Tinder swindler was like the biggest whiff on like trying to make an alliterative slash rhyming title that doesn't actually
2: rhyme. Yeah, doesn't What I what I just watched I just binged real quick uh, the seven episodes of season two of Space Force that they released on Netflix. Oh yeah, I need to watch that. That That Uh, show was so
0: stupid, but it was very enjoyable the year it came out because I just wanted something very stupid.
2: That's exactly right. Like that's why you want that's what you wanted when it came out. Um, But the cast that they have put together there is incredible. I mean, just Steve Carell opposite John Malkovich is oh shit. did you
1: not know that? I, I knew Look. Steve Carell was in it. I did not know
0: John
2: Malkovich was in it. And that pairing to me is and now you're now you're a little sold. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I see. So I think you should, I think you would enjoy it. Um, I definitely would. Just lower it.
0: your expectations for the humor of it, Mark. I remember I was on your stream this morning when you were talking about how things either need to be really really stupid or really really smart for you to enjoy it from a humor perspective. And uh, I hope that this is dumb enough for you because it's pretty dumb.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, as you can tell, I was watching Yu-Gi-Oh! and enjoying it. So, like, that's the level of stupid it needs to reach. I don't know yeah.
0: if get down it, there.
2: It can get that stupid, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, and then Elden I'll check Ring. that out. Do you want to give an Elden Ring update?
1: No. I haven't had a chance to play that much. The two other updates I'll give is uh, Demon Hunter Season 2 was dope. Um, and I'm finally watching Odd Taxi. I've only watched one episode of Odd Taxi. And it lived up to the hype. The, the, right, the dialogue in that is just so fucking good. I cannot believe how much they got going in the first episode and only like the second half of the first episode. Suddenly I was like, wait, where did all this intrigue and like plot motivation come from? What the fuck? So I'm excited to see where it goes from here. I'm, I'm looking, looking so at that that
0: Japanese an anime. anime, television series, okay. and manga. Interesting. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, uh, Dash... Welcome to the show, as I've already said, but uh, I think it's really exciting to have you on because I know that there's been a bunch of changes that have been occurring on the broadcast. Obviously, we now have like a pre-show before the start of the show, which is different from last year where they had brought in during the summer some various shows. Uh, You guys have uh, different approaches and different segments. I know high has been doing his kind of like pro stuff um, and... Uh, and then even this weekend I saw there was some griping a little bit about some of the ad placements. On yeah. Reddit. Um, and so we haven't really had a chance on the show to talk too much about where the broadcast has been going and what it's been up to because TSM and Cloud9 have been taking center stage, let's put it. Uh, and so it's it's nice to have you on since we can have an episode that talks a little bit about that. And beyond that, I'm sure we'll have other calls about TSM and Uh, Some of the other teams and all that Uh, so folks don't feel like that you need to just make a broadcast, but what? um, While while people are starting to put their questions into the discord, which is discord.gg slash Travis uh, Where are or what's it been like for you this year? Dash? And I don't know how much you you're working on these changes to the broadcast
2: um I mean, I'm as, I guess uh, I'm working as much on the changes as I'd say uh, anyone is um, this year. I guess we all have to deal with deal with them in different ways, right? Um, but uh, my experience so far this year has been largely positive. Um, I think no secret. Like the years of the pandemic were were brutal, <laughs> they were tough. um both, uh, you know, on, on the teams, uh, or on the teams, the, you know, the, the fans, the broadcast team and, uh, on air, uh, talent included. Um, and in some ways I think, you know, it killed a lot of, uh, momentum. And so I think a lot about the, a lot of this year, like an, an, a stated goal of ours has been to, you know, to basically to recapture, uh, you know like the 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 fun around sport right uh, and our sport being uh the lcs um and that's where uh waiting room you know uh was kind of born it's a little bit more of an attempt to just tune into what is actually being talked about in the community as opposed to talking at the community which i think to a degree the broadcast had become and arguably needed to be in the years of the pandemic right like i mean that's another just that's a whole other discussion to be had but a lot of the decisions we made during the pandemic were out of pure necessity and you can't you know create as open a conversation through skype like we are right now than if we were all in the same room right sitting around couches it just changes that dynamic a little bit more um and so the, uh, the whole idea of the pre-show now is actually to tap into the, the conversations that are organically happening and then just applying our touch, our lens, um, you know, to that conversation and maybe provide some additional context that only we can provide by being, you know, that little bit closer to the action or those different storylines or just having more access. Um, and to do all of that while... Um, while also making a bunch of technical adjustments, and this is just talking around the pre-show, to get ourselves into game at the top of the hour or as close to, right? Um, I think that's another, you know, so so pillar number one or one of the big things that they, we put a focus on this year is about recapturing the fun of sport and being in tune with what our audience and our community is actively discussing and interested in when it comes to the storylines of the league. Uh, number two uh, has been to actually... Uh, clean up the broadcast right Uh, get back to um a place of reliability where uh, you see a schedule and you say okay that game starts at this time i know that that first game at the very least is going to start at near you know as close to that time as possible obviously successive games are a bit dependent on how fast the previous game went but um you know that's been an that's been another thing um that we've been working on and then There's been kind of a reshuffling and um, I think a reallocation of of resources uh, to different areas that I think we've ultimately learned maybe have more value than we originally thought. And that's seen a lot in all of the content pieces that we're doing. You know, again, if you compare it directly to what we've produced in the last two years, the amount of little one-off pieces of content and sketch content, that we've already done in the first three months is probably, you know, equals that of what we put out in the the previous two years, a little bit more akin to what we used to do on uh, the years of the countdown with myself, Mark and Jack. And so I think this year has been a lot about taking the good bits from different uh, eras of the LCS and kind of being like, okay, now, how do we bring all of those things back together? You know, so that first pillar being, the essence of the LCS, what it was built on, just the fact that we all love the LCS and we want to go watch awesome, you know, League of Legends, uh, pro level League of Legends get played. Then let's add in kind of the structure of, you know, uh, of a polished broadcast. Great. That was like the next era of the LCS. But then let's break down and have a little bit of fun and personality, like the countdown era of the LCS, you know, but let's take all the best pieces of each of those eras and kind of see how we can make them best work together. So it's been a challenge, but it's been fun. I'm personally very excited about it. I feel a lot better about the LCS uh, this year and the work that we're doing than I have uh, in a short while.
0: I have a question actually kind of for you and for Mark, uh, both of you guys, because this has kind of been the one, I I guess I should say, I can definitely relate to just it's so much easier when you can do stuff in person. And obviously you guys were doing stuff in person all last year, but um uh, that has been really reinvigorating for me is just being able to do these uh interviews uh at, in in the parking lot out in front um and everybody i think that has been watching the stuff on my channel uh, it's just nice to see a lot of people also appreciate that but one of the challenges that i've run into in the past couple of weeks is like at the start of the year it was like all right we've got coach ls you know it's like the church has arrived and here's his team and blah, blah, blah. And then on the TSF side, you're like, okay, who? what's going to be happening with these guys? And you want to talk about 100T. These guys are all returning. And obviously that's been up and down. So it, it's, it's been a bit of a challenge because I feel like there were these major, oh, the Jojo Pion and EG stuff, which also has, I feel like, in some ways stalled out. So I guess Mark and, and Dash, like, how are you guys whenever you're in these story meetings and you're figuring stuff out or you're, Trying to figure stuff out for the the even just on the day of and and after the games. like are you are you frustrated at all that a lot of these storylines have stalled out? Do you feel like there's a bunch of others that you guys are able to tap into? How have you been approaching all this?
1: Um i I just pull random stats out of my ass. Okay, uh, that's see that's really how I just do my job. No, I, to answer it seriously, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the reason I was frustrated with um like the TSM situation and the Cni situation where like you have these narratives. And you're building them. And, you know, like, assuming everything goes to chalk, you build up C- C9 with their interesting draft and these strategies heading into playoffs and best of fives going up against TL, going up against the Zoomers, going up against TSM's LDL prospecting. And you get to see all these clashes that all culminate in a nice climax narratively of, like, whatever happens. But, like, when it gets cut short, you don't have anything to hold on to. And that's why it was it was frustrating to not be given reasoning. And then, like, even if... We as broadcasters know some of what's going on behind the scenes. If it's not public, we're not really a news agency or anything. And then, like, what do we have to tell a story with anymore? It's like, don't worry, guys. C 9s still good, and that's ultimately like what we ended up running with. But that didn't give any sort of resolution to this big blow up that happened. And I think uh, those sorts of things are unfortunately frustrating. Um, but at the end of the day it's about the players and so as long as you're i think telling the players stories correctly um you're doing an okay job
2: yeah um i agree with pretty much everything that mark just said um and funnily enough even though he was joking about you know sometimes pulling a random stat like (laughs) that can be the end to a story funnily enough just like as a weird you know side note on you know, how broadcasts are run or even produced. It's like some, sometimes we are just in a meeting and a, a stats person or Jat or Mark will be like, I was looking at, you know, I was looking at our stats, you know, database just last night. And I saw this, how funny, whoa, interesting. Like, let's run with that. What does that mean? How can we explore that? Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be indicative of a storyline. Um, how has it been to ultimately deal with, um well, what's interesting is this year, I think we're running into issues, uh, we're running into some interesting issues. Um, and this is where maybe we'll get again with some, some takes and some questions from viewers, but like our turnaround times between games are some of the fastest they've ever been. And yet even still the perception is that it takes us forever uh, to get from game to game. So technical constraints is one conversation to have around just simply how much time we have to tell narratives um and get points across um funnily enough i think it was uh mark were you on the day with parth no right it was just it was just emily and raz um and i saw raz in the chat earlier so maybe he can confirm but when when parth was on after we did a segment he literally turned to us and he goes oh my god that goes by so much faster when you're on <laughs> when you're on camera, than when you're watching it, and I was like, "Thank you." We just need every fan to sit on the analyst desk and do a segment before, for them to then realize really how short five or six minutes is, because that's all you ever actually see the analyst at. Like, well, we changed the format a bit this weekend, but that was actually but typically. Make- <laughs> typically, you would see the analyst desk for almost no longer than six minutes, and that's like a long segment. Um, and so it's always baffling to me that people are like, Oh my God, they've been on forever. Um but definitely, so like the technical constraints that we're dealing with are are one thing to fight against in the sense of um, accurately telling narratives and like doing them justice. And then uh, to Mark's other point, like I think we've we've we're reconciling with a lot of ecosystem um, issues as again, we just reintroduce ourselves back out of um, you know quarantine and into uh, the LCS world on like, how information needs to be uh you know or what information rather maybe is the better way to phrase it needs to be provided um when decisions are made um and for us unfortunately we don't have control over that so really we're just react we have to do the best possible you know job we can do with the information that we have but to, to mark's point sometimes that means not revealing information because it's not our place to do it um in which case we actually have to just try and find the next most interesting thing uh, and try and make that the focus until a team or a player decide or a media outlet decides to bring something else into into the light. Um, it's been very interesting to deal with this uh, this year. But another thing I will say on all of this is that I actually think it was a smart um, move. Um, we've kind of landed on. Um, uh some more specified roles and sets of people this year. There was a lot of trying things out last year. And so like having Hi, for example, specialize on the broadcast in a few things very much from like the pro angle, I think unlocks us in a certain way to tell narratives that maybe we didn't have a methodology to do so before. Likewise, having Raz, Emily, myself, Mark and Jat be essentially the core analyst desk itself, um, gives us the number of reps that we need throughout the year to develop synergy and personality as a group, which is something we didn't have necessarily in the past because we just changed the amalgamation of the desk every single day, which was a good experiment. And we learned a lot, but I don't think was ultimately conducive to the best storytelling methods. Um, I'm going to keep rambling. Until no, you no.
3: Well, I
0: was going to say a quick question. Yeah um about because i i one i just acknowledge what you were just saying i do think that the desk is usually at its best when you guys have a solid lineup of people because you can build in that chemistry rather than like musical chairs i'm sure i've hosted enough stuff before where like whenever like it is really nice to do this show with mark because after 211 episodes i know whenever i could tell when he's getting bored with something or we need to move on or something else is happening or he's going to have like a big take Whereas whenever I used to do State of League and it was just me and three random pros every week, it's just like really, really difficult. On the topic, though, of like the turnaround time, do you think that fans are getting frustrated with how long the desk takes? Or do you think they're t- taking getting frustrated with how long the in-between games takes? Because obviously, like, there's, you know, the three minutes where we're watching some, you know, Champions queue thing while we're waiting for an interview to come with La Tigris. And there's, add time and there's all that stuff so i don't know if that obviously i don't time this stuff so i don't know if that part like the total time between games is long right now and particularly because of covid stuff and yeah. like the analyst desk stuff is shorter or yeah
2: um so I'm gonna kind of do this, I'm gonna, I'm going to YouTube because I'm gonna pull up a vibe. Well, um,
1: while you do some some math, I can say at least I heard some turnaround time from this weekend we're hitting 17 minutes, which is pretty quick. And I'm sure cool. Dash will will check a couple, but like last, for example, last summer when it was kind of bad and people were complaining about it, it was around 22. Um, So we shaved off about five minutes. And to the point about the analyst desk versus this versus that, I feel like no matter what, it's about engagement. Um, And so, last split there were times people were like bitching about the analyst desk being so boring and it was like we were on for six of that 24 minutes 22 minutes you know it's like obviously we're not what's boring people when we take up a fourth to a third of the time that you see (laughs) you know it was like uh it's like getting off casters into the interview faster getting from the interview into this faster getting less ads where there's like 30 second ads before the the three minute ads into like a desk read because sometimes part of the thing that cramps the analyst desk too is like sponsored segments where Dash has to read about the Grubhub thing and that cuts into our time. And Hey, we you know, love the Grubhub thing, things.
0: Mark, okay? Yeah. It's not a has to. I love it when Dash does that. He should talk about Grubhub more often.
1: No, I'm saying it's the best part of the analyst desk, but no, it's still a part of the time, you know, yes. that fans are, are you know, it all gets kind of lumped together in their mind as the between time game. And then, you know, people aren't being nuanced when they talk about this. They just say, the analyst desk is boring. What they're really saying is like the turnaround time combined with the analyst desk, combined with all these other factors is... uh uh feeling slow but i think if you can make engaging content and you keep it short and snappy like it's uh, people will come around and, and perception always lags behind reality in like public consciousness
0: yeah dash i yeah, don't so know if I you're did... still doing math but feel uh, free
1: so, i don't know account. if he was
2: <laughs> no, no no all good i so i just checked the, the transition time on sunday from game one to game two was 19 minutes which you could argue is a little is a little slower than we would have wanted Um, I'm watching game two end right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, so we typically aim, I mean, I don't know if this is getting too much into behind the scenes stuff, but we typically aim for, for 17 minutes. Um, and previously that would be around, was it three and a half for ads?
2: Uh, right? I think it is. And then yeah, there's- seven, 17 and a half minutes between games two and three. Um, and our average this weekend, I do believe was kind of around that. But to Mark's point, like, yeah, when you start to break down, first of all, okay, so 17 and a half minutes, let's get super granular. People want to know, let's tell them how it goes, right? This is how it goes. So so game ends, camera's got to pull out from there, show a little bit of celebration. Casters are doing- Win moment. They're doing their wrap up over the win moment. Already 30, 45 seconds has passed at this point. They're cutting back down to watch the bow because casters have to stay talking until we get them come out, you know, what would normally be the high five line, you know, do that bow. Okay, now casters are throwing in the the way we did it this weekend, casters throw it to commercial. So you now have a three minute commercial block. So you've probably taken two minutes. You're now doing three minutes to bring you to five minutes. You're coming back out of a commercial into an interview, which is probably going to be anywhere from one and a half to three and a half minutes, depending on the size of the interview and the size of the post-game segment that we have. Um, so let's go with a middle ground there, two and a half. That brings us to seven and a half minutes. Then you throw it to a post-game, which is supposed to be roughly five minutes. That brings you to 12 and a half. And then the way we did it this weekend is we just transitioned into our pre-game in the same segment instead of throwing to a break. But let's say you do another uh, four minutes there, right? And boom, all of a sudden you're butting up or five minutes and now you're butting up against that 17 minute mark. And like, so that's what you as a viewer sees. Now what you have to understand is happening behind the scenes, right, is game ends. All those players now have to pack up and put away their equipment and they have to do it in a COVID safe way. Yes, that slows it down a little bit, but honestly, not that much. Not like, anymore. Transition times wouldn't be that much faster without COVID if we're being entirely honest with you, but they got to pack up all their stuff, get it off the stage. The new, the new set of teams has to bring all their stuff on stage, plug it all in. You know, they have to then go into practice games individually and check all their settings. Okay. All of that with referees, um, to make sure that we've done, you know, our, done our due diligence around a competitive integrity. Um, then circle back up as a team before going into champion select. And like, I think it's perfectly reasonable that a pregame, you know, essentially like for teams themselves have 15 minutes, you know, to step on stage, set up and get ready for their, you know, for their match. So kind of from both perspectives. You can't go much further than
0: 17. You can't go that much below 17 minutes.
2: Not much, right? Like, and then again, you put all of that against the idea that the league has to make money. Uh, and, and there's this, there's a harsh world reality for everybody, which is that, um, it's awesome that we all get to watch the LCS for free on, uh, Twitch if, you know, uh, but in order for the product to persist, it cannot just be, a a a black hole of, of money, you know? Uh, So
0: I already see some people in the chat who are asking kind of follow-up questions to this stuff. Uh, so far, Mark has only pulled about four people into the waiting room. So, rather than doing a thing where I just like read all of your questions in, into yeah. the thing, and let's get some callers in here, and and we can talk about the stuff, among other things on the show. Don't worry, it's not going to be an all broadcast. We, we have, I've, I've it's not going to be topics. Dash doing the run of show with uh like a an Excel sheet uh, for for every. I mean, every call. it's kind of
2: already my job on weekends. You know? <laughs> well, it's just and, wrangle everybody around in the show anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It, I have some regular people in the waiting room
1: for, like, regular topics, but also, like, one or two broadcast ones. But I think we're, we're definitely down to look for more. Um, so I'll, I'll keep an eye out, and we'll start grabbing calls in a second. The one thing I'll tack on to what everything Dash was just saying is, like, even those five minutes and four-minute chunks that he's talking about for, like, pregame and postgame, oftentimes we will have a SOT in there from a player talking. SOT meaning, like, one of those uh, videos of a, of a player. That, those will take anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute. We'll often have a read of some kind, like player or the game or um, like the Grubhub thing. Or, or the hide so card. card. Yeah, you know, there's, there's always some, uh, oftentimes there is some obligation in there as well. And so the actual analysts, how much we get to talk in a segment is, is probably around six minutes. And then you're balancing that between three analysts you know so like uh that depending on what the segment is we'll, we'll talk about that much and that's why i think people like parth when they finally get on the desk and experience it they're like wow it's not 17 minutes of the analyst desk droning on it's really i i spoke six sentences were they the punchiest best six sentences i could give you know it's like i hope so uh, and i think uh, that's, so that's then the must, struggle of being a it good must analyst be fun for you an guys
0: to go out and have the community be like the analyst desk they're just on this the entire time And you guys are like, we literally talk for five minutes and now we won't talk for another five minutes for an hour. We're
1: we're aware of the turnaround times too. So like, we don't want to talk longer than we have to, you know? So like, if it ever goes longer than that, it's usually not because we're just like, give us more time it's usually like there's a delay on stage and like we don't announce every delay on stage to like spook fans out so like a minute or two minute delays often don't get announced we just go longer
2: or whatever uh yeah. so like there's a lot of those little things or too. dash is
0: just trying to rein raz in and he keeps going and going and going uh <laughs> honestly,
2: honestly sometimes like if we, we a lot of times we could probably hit 16 and a half and we hit 17 and a half because raz is talking. <laughs> <laughs> I, under I, the the Twitch chat, I, I, I love Raz so uh, I mean I've
0: seen there was one point in time this weekend where you guys had made an academy point and then you moved on to C9 and you guys were talking about C9 and then Raz is like but I want to go back to academy and talk about uh, C9 Academy or something I forget what it was and you guys were like okay I guess here we go um, uh, there we go uh, I, Raz says I had to run from the kitchen to fight against <laughs> these lies. Here we go. All,
2: I, I said it on broadcast this weekend. I'm a proud resident of Raz Nation. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the tweet, I just want to let you guys know. Listen, there's a there's something that happens behind the scenes of Hotline League every week, and that's Mark's battle in the Discord. Somebody in the tweet in the Discord just talked. It was just talking Elden Ring and uh and mark is now in the chat cussing him out so
1: no see he said elden ring is like not even the best from soft game or best open world game and then he put a second take about the lcs behind it and i said fuck that bait Lamau," (laughs) because he's trying to bait me with the elden ring take so i wasn't cussing him out i was saying like good try but it's not gonna work to this guy
0: nice okay well let's finally take a call because we've been talking for over half an hour so it's it's time uh, Mark is off to go grab our first caller of the night. The Best Clichés, uh, Sandy Toes, Rotate or AFK, uh, Rice, thank you for gifting a sub, Pokem, uh, Zoom Ball uh, to Monster, gifted 10 subs, very generous of you, thank you, and uh, McGregs, LOL Globus, The Great Clockworm, and Nemcic at 55 months, holy moly. Okay, Lord Audie is here. Uh, wow, that clap was very loud. Lord Audie, uh, welcome to the show. Remind everyone where you're calling from because I believe you've been on previously.
4: Yes, I've been calling from uh, uh, Queens, New York.
0: Queens, New York, right. Okay, what do you want to talk about on the show?
4: Uh, given that Dash is on the show and I have production take, is that teams should be able to provide their own translators for their import players. Uh, it seems kind of silly by now that every time that Crown 9 wins, Foist and Braver has to show up and just do the interview every single time. And we don't hear from Berserker, we don't hear from Summit, we don't hear from Winsome. I will actually include the on this conversation, but they've been sucking so hard that they haven't been able to just... They got two interviews. (laughs) (laughs) They got two interviews and Shenji was wasn't one of them. Uh, Kaido, you know, we'll miss him. Uh, So who knows? But, you know, so we have a variety of, like, import players. I don't know. Like, Jose speaks English very well. Uh, Tukui, uh seems to speak English very well. But I don't know if they want to accommodate French for him. But I feel that, you know, internationally, we have translated interviews. It happens, you know, for the English broadcast. I don't know if there's a reason why LCS cannot accommodate for that. But I think... Maybe it's adding put to the 17 minutes, <laughs> having a translator there, but, you know, it will be, you know, something to talk about. Audie, a couple of questions. Do so
0: you have, like, a hype crowd behind you? I hear somebody in the background laughing.
4: Yeah, that, that is my wife right here that introduced me to League of Legends, and now I'm a victim of it.
0: Oh, wow. So wait, she introduced you to League of Legends? That's awesome. I, uh, I normally hear, hear it the other way around, so I'm happy to, to hear that there's... Uh, there's men that are getting introduced to it now from from their wives. Um. Okay. Uh, the other question I have for you is, uh, do you think that the obligation is on the broadcast or the teams?
4: Well, at least on my take is on the teams. Uh, I I I feel that they already should have those part of their staff. So I don't know if it is on the honest of the production to have someone to speak that translates Korean, but I would like to think that cloud Nine has someone on their staff doing that work for them. So. I don't know if it would be too hard for them to bring that person in as part of their team to just be able to just accommodate for that interview.
0: Well, I had I had just to your point, I did an interview with Winsome that hasn't gone up yet, where August, who's one of the the I think it's his positional coach, um, helped do the interview. Uh, I don't know if August's comfortable doing uh that on on stage, like because that's kind of the issue you sometimes run into is like even. I'll have translators that are part of teams that will not necessarily be like broadcast translators and they'll sometimes even be nervous to appear on screen with me, like when mine is obviously not live. So I think that's kind of part of the challenge. But uh, yes, so let me ask the two broadcast people right now if they think it's on the team or the broadcast to provide the translators. I'm curious to see where we find the answer.
2: Well, so that's actually, that's the part of it that I, I have trouble with. I don't actually know if I have a definitive stance on who who it should be, um, and I'll walk you through my logic uh, because I think your point is super valid, Travis. The idea that like um, if if I'm on the team side, if I try and put myself on the team side, my concern is getting if I was going to invest in a translator, my concern would be getting a translator who is best suited to helping the team do and the player that they're translating for, do everything that they need to do uh, beyond, you know, more than just uh, the scope of the broadcast, right? Like we're talking in practice, in going about maybe daily life and things like that. Um, And so therefore the whole broadcast, like I have worked with translators, I've done interviews with translators who were team translators, but who were not broadcast, you know, translators and didn't really know what to do when they were on camera. And that's been a struggle. By the same token, I can see an argument that it is, in in importing a player, a team is essentially taking on the responsibility of that player's brand and that player's accessibility to the fans, right? And so providing that bridge, which would be the translator between the player and the fans, even though it may be also, you know, know, by the mechanism of the broadcast, I think that there might be some obligation there. So I can kind of see an argument Um, both ways I first though just wanted to like commiserate with the point because I'm like I think both Mark and I are a thousand percent on your side when it comes to the take itself it sucks that we have not had a live interview with Summit or Berserker as the two probably biggest examples but we could look at many others as well Um, obviously there is the decision that has been made um, is made taking a lot of factors into account, um, uh, including the player's comfortability, given the options available. And we're not gonna make a player do something that they're not uh, comfortable doing. But where I'm at least proud of some of our problem solving, for example, is we have found a way to talk to those players, just not in a live setting. So we've actually had, if you saw the MasterCard Player of the Week, yeah. <laughs> see, I can't even say, I could have just the Player of the Week, I can't even not say the sponsor name. Uh, like if you saw the player of the week uh, interview between Gabby and Summit for this last week, it was a recorded interview uh, in which he was. We were able to ask him the questions, translate them, and let him respond, and then translate subtitles um, with you know with time before the broadcast. And like that was an effective way to at least get to hear from him um, individually without having to do it live. So we're we're. Building out our tool set to be able to, I think, lessen um, the crappy feeling that comes along with the, the situation that you're, you're bringing up. But I don't think that that excuses the situation. And so I do think it's something that needs to be figured out. Um, I don't really care if it's the broadcaster or the teams, but we do need to find translators so that we can talk to these players. A couple think, quick,
0: uh, a couple quick things in chat it was receptive block says shocks learn five languages. Why can't dash? Well, so okay, I was about they- to say
2: there's also we this may be coming a week earlier than expected, but um, I guess Mark and I can spill the beans on a new LCS sponsorship with uh, Duolingo.
0: Okay, uh, in which
2: he in which he and I are going to be run through uh, eight hour courses um, four days a week. Nice. Uh, to each, to each become trilingual uh yeah. um, mark's got a lot of his plate off. these days yeah exactly so and uh, uh, then i just
0: wanted to shout out what raz was saying here which is that there's a difference between broadcasting reviews where you feel confident with both languages first team translators that are meant for internal and he said this important thing which i've heard before the community yes. will rip apart translators that don't nail it perfectly so if a team translator yes. doesn't want to put their neck out on the line it's completely understandable I've heard that time and time again. Well, um, I, I, I've so.
1: seen that just anytime an interview is wrong, you know, yeah. there's a Reddit thread about like they misquoted. Well, I've heard something.
0: specifically it goes to Korea and sometimes like the LCK community will be up very upset about it or it'll end up on their boards and stuff. Sorry. Anyway, continue Mark. Uh,
1: so what I was going to throw in there too is like, there's also logistical reasons like why you, you wouldn't hire a translator. I, I apologize. I said this, but just like, on a given day they might not work even if you hire them and bring them on you know like if no team with a korean wins that we want to interview there's a a high chance that actually happens you know like there's there's days where you know like c9 drops a game tl wins but you know like they all speak english and then you like you can have a situation where there's actually no one for that translator to do anything that day and if you're paying someone a full day rate to show up even if you do one interview it's like legitimately if you're being fair and like you are you actually put yourself in the position of a businessman or a business person like, you know, I just paid a $1,000 for two minutes of interview time, you know, like that's just hard to justify uh, as an actual cost. I understand for fans that's like that doesn't feel fucking good, but like it's it is something where like you would have to. Find ways to get value out of a hire like that if you're going to do a hire like that. And like Dash said, and Raz was talking about, it's also not that easy to find someone who wants to be on camera and do this stuff and understand the game at a high enough level that, like, when Summit goes into his laning phase and starts explaining his micro, you know, someone can keep up. About like, oh yeah, well, as long as you buffer the JCE to knock back the uh, Renekton on his double dash, you know, like, who? You start getting a pretty small pool of people who are going to be available and want to do this and like all this stuff. And so it's actually. A harder job to hire for than you think which causes higher pay rates which causes higher bottlenecks into justifying the costs and it's actually um, a frustrating situation that the people who end up losing out are, the, are actually just the fans
0: everything that you guys just said is true but I kind of don't give a shit because here's my take <laughs> oh, yeah, which is yeah, I'm with you. last year we had a bunch of the team owners come out and be like lift the import rule everyone can be fans of any player from any region and like None of this, it's all fine. And, like, North America has just embraced this idea of, like, we're going to import from everywhere. And then I can't have the fucking answer then afterwards be like, yeah, but it is very difficult to have translators and, like, logistics. Don't fucking tell me that you're fine with investing in talent from other regions and fans can become fans of these people. And And then tell me also... Oh, sorry. It's just too hard to get a fucking interview uh, translated on the broadcast. My
1: my perspective was from Riot, but for teams, there's a lot of coaches who do interviews who are multilingual. And I think uh, fans would be understanding of like a coach talking with their player kind of thing. I think you could push that. Dodo's translated before
0: for, for folks, if that's what you're getting at.
1: Well, I just mean there's like a lot of coaches who like, you know, like Dodo and, you know, like a lot of people. I don't know if I can actually hear who you just said. But like, um, my point is, teams also are incentivized to get their players out there. Uh, I, the whole ecosystem is, of course, but teams in particular, if you're trying to build Summit's brand as C9, you would think that you want to get Summit in front of the cameras to do that. Um, so uh, you would think that they would have someone on their staff who could potentially do it even though if the translating is not their full-time job they're also like you can do it for four minutes once a week in a post-game interview kind of thing yeah yeah,
5: I yeah. Mean, yeah.
4: if they bother to make them twitter accounts i guess they should be bothered to actually translate for their interviews i i, I guess that's fair for me
5: yeah that's yeah
2: good. i basically to put a cap on this i like if i had it my way i would probably say the teams should have translators for the people that there's you know spending the money to to import into a league and to, and to invest into those personalities that they're building around um and they should get people who are good enough to represent those people on a live broadcast um but that's just you know that's just james as a you know as a fan and as a person kind of speaking that would be my hope i completely right. agree with
0: official... you i would love to be hearing from more, Post, of these players more often. Uh, dash decries the selfishness of team owners okay Lord yeah, exactly. Audi, thank you, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out uh, before we take a quick break?
4: Well, shout out to my wife that, is, that introduced me to League of Legends, and shout outs to GameField and Alienware and the staff. Uh, good production. Thank you.
0: thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. Let's talk about Alienware. Speaking of Alienware... Uh, we love Alienware. Alienware's got some really awesome stuff that they've been uh, releasing. In fact, I need to hook Mark up because I just recently got their new headset and so he can switch over. Give that a try and see how he feels about it. I already it.
1: have a good dent going with this one. You know? Oh, really?
0: Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. You could, you could try this one and see what you think of it. Uh, but it is it is very, very nice and I just got it in the mail um, actually this week. So go check, go check that out. They've got uh, new mice as well that are available. Alienware.com slash Travis. Uh, you could go there and click up on the top banner to get into all their awesome gear. Uh, but right now I'm using the Alienware Aurora R13, which is fantastic. There's been a couple people recently, and I, I know I already mentioned this, but I I never want to stop giving shout outs to the people who tweet at me and say they got some, some cool Alienware stuff. Uh, Chief Xandipus, I believe is his name. Their name, uh, has said previously or has subbed previously on the show, and I saw tweeted uh, about 23 hours ago. Feels good to have everything, uh, set up. Thanks again, Travis Gafford, for the Alienware hookup, and they, uh, have a wonderful Aurora sitting there, uh, as well as some cool, uh, cool gear. And I'm seeing a Team Liquid chair. So this is up up on Twitter. But thank you to everybody who always tweets at me about this stuff because, um, it's one thing for, you know, folks to see. Obviously, the when you click Alienware.com/travis, they see you came in and look, looked at their stuff. But it's another thing when you make the purchase and you uh, tweet about it and let let them know. So, thank you to everybody who's been doing that. Thank you so much to Alienware. Check out their new peripherals. Again, we'll we'll get Mark the new headset and uh, and maybe at some point in time he'll he'll be sporting that on screen. Uh, but thank you to everyone. Mark. Mark will definitely do it. Um. Anyway, thanks to uh, Alienware for sponsoring the show. And uh, we love your support. Go check out the description if you're on YouTube and Alienware.com slash Travis if you're not. Okay. Off to the next caller. Mark is already on his way. Thank you to... see. There's been some more folks. Mr. Emerson. Iron Scrub Vaults for two years. And Ectelion. Thank you. I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Back there, Shildeezy, Epsion, Darzombie, and Cubby, yep, we got everybody. So thank you, everybody, for the subs. Mark will be back here any second with our next caller, and then I'm off. By the way, again, I mentioned this at the start, but if uh, anybody's at Full Full Sail University this week for the uh, uh, Hall of Fame, I believe is the name of the event, uh, please come say hi to me because it's my first time that I'm going to be going to like an event like this in two years. And so I'd love to to say hello. Uh, Travis doesn't want to
2: be lonely.
0: I mean, it's, it's true. It's uh, it's I don't, I don't know too many people that are there. So this will be nice to to just go out and say say hi to folks. Um, hello. hello. Blue Jay is here. Blue Jay, where are you calling from?
6: Hello.
7: Calling from Ontario,
0: <clears throat> Ontario, Canada. What do you want to talk about on the show?
7: Uh my take is that Jensen uh, if Jensen is considering a return to pro play, he should avoid TSM like the plague unless <laughs> unless he's getting Reggie's house which in other words means if he's making absolute bank.
0: What is absolute bank I'm curious.
2: I don't know. Well, I mean I don't know, man.
0: They, I mean you, you've seen some of the reports like is it like are you talking about perks year. money here?
2: 5 million a year. 5 million
0: a year? I, I, million a year? Yeah. travis
7: oh, you are the one that knows all this stuff because you can make all those videos and you can never say exactly how much players make so well, i don't
0: know the individual okay. i don't know well, the that... individual uh, players just sort of what the teams are spending but i mean my we point know... is
7: more i know far less than you do is my point yeah yeah,
0: yeah. we know that perks was making three mil a year or sword art or something so what do you want to say three mil a year or do you want to go above that
7: uh three mil sounds pretty damn good <laughs> okay. one or two of reggie's
1: car or his house or some yeah. some degree of his non-liquid
7: assets
0: yes maybe, uh, maybe we just need to
7: figure out how much reggie's house is worth
0: yes uh um, i okay. agree dash you agree
2: i agree i agree um i think the, well i guess the only reason i could see jensen coming back to here's the thing you don't come back to this TSM in their current form and ultimately look that much better, I don't think. Like, even if the team does get better, like, they're already in such a hole, I'm not really sure that that does for Jensen, for Jensen's career, what Jensen needs, if that makes sense. 100% agree. Um, like, I think part of Jensen's issue already is probably his valuation. I don't actually know. Um, it's like, I don't know what any of the players make, but I have a feeling that he's a very expensive player. And he's probably in some way going to have to devalue himself to end up on TSM is just my speculation. And then he
0: said he'd spend uh, whatever oh, yeah, it took.
2: If, yeah. If, if they throw, and that's why I said, that's why I threw out a ridiculous number, like five mil, because for me, it would almost have to be a money play. It's basically like, Hey, I'm going to do this because I'm going to make bank off of it. But all while understanding that we're not climbing into playoff contention. We might make some some marginal improvements and maybe if i pop off so ridiculously individually i can make a case for someone else to buy me out for summer and or for tsm to rebuild around me like that's the only angle i could possibly see for jensen justifying a move to tsm Mm -hmm. um where otherwise i actually just see him being damaged in some sense by it aside from making money Quick, there's also quick, a real okay.
1: opportunity cost, too, where if you, if TSM comes to you first, you know, that, and you accept you can't go to another team then. And to Dash's point, actually make a good run in summer. Like, uh, I don't know exactly what team, like, I, I don't think EG is going to do it. I don't think any of the other top teams are, are realistically going to do it. So it's not like I, I really think he's holding out for anything. But, like, in theory, you know, there's an opportunity cost to sign with TSM who feels like there's no 100T. hope. 100 team. 100 Thieves? Oh,
7: man, you got to that before me. God damn it.
1: I was going to say, Abba has been bad. He was almost the topic of the blame game again. I'm just, like, sick of doing him. I think I've done him twice already this year. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think that'll happen. Um, I don't
7: think so, either.
1: But I, I, I think, like, you know, maybe TSM can turn around. Huni, Spika, Tactical, Jensen, and, like, an, an upgraded support, and suddenly you have, like, a little bit of a discount TL going, right?
0: Well, that I mean, that's... Okay, this was my point or this was going to be my point to to Dash and BlueJay, like, what what happens if you, they go to Jensen and they say, hey, we're going to get you, like, Ignar, or somebody who's a good support? Because, like, as much as TSM fans wanted to ride tactical, I don't think he's a terrible ADC. And last year, Spica and Huni were considered good players on TSM. People were happy to have them there. And so if you're in a world where Jensen presumably would be an upgrade from the POE of last year, uh, I guess you can have conference. Like, I think it's hard to imagine that people would argue that tactical this year is worse than la- lost last year. Even though I know that now that I've said that there's going to be three shitty comments on my YouTube video about it. Like, and then, and then you just get somebody who, like, it's not like Sword Art was this God last year. So it, in order to get something that looks like last year's TSM or maybe even better, I don't feel like it takes that much. It takes a support and Jensen. And then you're back to basically where you were last year or better.
2: Well, but so you get you get Jensen, you get Ignar. Where does the team place in spring? So I don't, th- I still don't think they climb to sixth. I doubt it. I mean, it, maybe if they made the move this week, right? Like, therefore, uh, you know, they ha- still have what? What would that be like? Seven or eight game, you know, eight games to to work with. Um, I still don't think they make playoffs. So you're essentially then then TSM as an organization is making the case to Jensen that him plus Ignar, along with the three they already have, is a Worlds-bound team. Because Jensen doesn't want to play on a team that's not going to Worlds. And so you all, not only do you have to sell him on, like you have to sell him on the the personal value of of joining a dumpster fire of a team and a possibility of turning it around, but then you also have to sell him on the, you know, on the... uh, the giant uptick that they're going to have or the progress they're going to make in summer to be a top three LCS team and actually contend at Worlds because I can't imagine Jensen being the kind of player who wants to come back and not, you know, make it to Worlds, let alone make it out of groups or or beyond, you know? Can,
1: can I just say, I appreciate Dash not in a hosting role sometimes because uh, just... You know, can you imagine if this was like a broadcast, like on the LCS, where Dash is like, "Do you really think Jensen's gonna join that dumpster fire of an organization?" <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> okay, okay,
0: good, good. Well, well said, Mark. It's nice to to hear some more opinions out of Dash. But I, I'm gonna disagree. I think you guys are crazy because, so I look, I agree that this is a huge risk for Jensen, and I don't even think that there's like like, a very high, high chance of them making Worlds, but a couple things here. One, third for Worlds right now feels wide open. I don't feel like you can look at the League right now and say, like, oh, yeah, that third spot is unlocked. Like, you have to really surpass 100 Thieves or EG or Dignitas or FlyQuest or something to get in there. That's a fair point. So I think it's not that... I don't think it's that crazy to say build a better TSM than le- yesteryear, and you could not make it to Worlds this year. The other thing is, uh, I know we said like 3 million. I think it's not that crazy to imagine that Jensen could get like a million out of TSM. And guys, a million is a lot of fucking dollars. Uh, so like, go- just take the money and like play for at most, like the worst case scenario here is like, okay, worst case scenario is, you can get 10th again and like it's a disaster. But a more moderate case scenario is you come in, people are like, okay, well, the team was a dumpster fire. Jensen, people will say Jensen didn't look that good because that's what people say when you're on not a great team. You probably placed somewhere in the middle of the standings and you just collected a million dollars for working four months and you didn't go to Worlds. I don't think but that, that could ruin your career though. No, like, you know what else is... could ruin your career, Blue Jay? Just <laughs> sitting on the sidelines and not doing anything, right? Like everyone thought Q- Sneaky Q- was going to no. come back and well, Sneaky no, never right. came back.
2: Yeah, no, Travis does have a good point, right? Like, there's uh, like there's risk in both directions, right? Um, and absolutely fading into irrelevancy and just not staying front of mind for owners, um, you know, while other younger players start to get noticed, you might find it incredibly hard to, you know, make your return to the LCS. So there definitely is risk in Jensen staying off. But I think, Travis, the other part of this argument that we're not taking into account is because we're only looking at from the TSM perspective. There are nine other teams, right? And so it's like the, the, the only angle we're arguing right now, though, is whether or not it's worth it or valuable for Jensen to go to TSM. And maybe it is more valuable if that's the only team that expresses interest in him.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, the only other um, one I can I think of is Hunter T.
2: I could see hundred thieves. I could see Dignitas, for example. They're like, not that so I think, not that I think, that so, I think blue. Is they're so budget super poorly, but they're not going to spend
0: like Jensen. In my opinion, should not take less than like like maybe if he's just really wanting to come back, he should like take 700. 700 but, 750. Yeah, but I I, I don't even see like fucking Dignitas is probably spending like a million on that roster. They're not. They're going to double their budget to bring in.
1: Well, so what That's I was going to say on that point is, like, you know, you're talking about the opportunity cost of not signing a team. I think that opportunity cost is only as whatever you set your fucking price point at. Because next year, if Jensen says, hey, Immortals, I'll play for you at $300,000, they are going to sign him. Like, yeah. no matter what, Jensen can get on a team if he wants. It's just, like, you know, whether it's worth it financially for him or if he thinks he can get more money. You know, like, I can understand not wanting i don't think he should do that but i'm just saying like there's a place in the league as long as jensen is willing to like cut himself out at the knees as much as he wants to um but like that dig angle is one where like, i don't think he would do that. like if dig came to him like would do you think he would rather go to dig than tsm even though digs a better roster and take like a slightly lower pay rate to play for a better team or do you think he would rather join tsm at a God,
0: I I do love that we're it's it is insane that in a, basically a two month period we've now hit the point with TSM where it's like, well, would you pick Dignitas or would you pick TSM to join? <laughs> Holy shit, guys.
2: Um, I mean, again, this is probably some of my personal bias showing though. Too is like I think I would go with Dignitas, but uh, you're a big in part fan because dash. I think there's more exciting stuff happening over there. My concern is obviously still the top one for yeah, for Digg, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that's honestly the thing that I think would turn Jensen off the most is, um, whereas, yeah, like the case we make for TSM here is is not just a Jensen change, but a support change as well. Makes it more palatable for him because Speaker, very solid. We know that Hooney in his best form is solid. Again, I think... There are questions to be asked about what's the, you know, what's the life, lifespan of his, of his career at this point. Um, but like there's a, probably a more solid core on TSM to a degree. I just think that there are more exciting prospects on Dignitas and something's clearly working over there. I, so I would be immediately more intrigued by what's working at Dignitas versus, again, jumping into something that just seems to have no direction yeah. in the TSM camp. I think it also matters
7: how long he intends on playing for, because if he doesn't intend on wanting to go back to pro for a long time, then I'm totally with Travis. Take the money and run. But if you want to have a much longer career, which I don't know whether he does or not, I think going to a 10th place team is really dangerous. And I might also add that, like, I know we want to look at MVP speaker, but he has not been MVP speaker. And yes, there's a lot of fair reasons as to maybe why he's not. Like he's mentioned, there's a lot of frustrations and whatnot that he has to deal with that he maybe didn't have to last year. But we are not seeing the same speaker. And so I can't I don't think that we can just say oh, he's got an MVP jungler that he can join
2: because we haven't seen it at all in the last two months or whatever it's... The, the major counter to that point would just be that uh, putting Jensen in the mid lane would immediately allow uh, Speaker to play more like the MVP jungler that he once was.
0: I hope know. so, I hope yeah.
7: so. But I just say it's not a guarantee. Yeah, like, I don't yeah, think no, you... Absolutely, absolutely. In,
0: in my mind, you look at Tactical, you look at Speaker, you look at Huni, and you say, what were these guys playing like last year? Because that's what their actual potential is, and I think the circumstances are... It's there's a good chance the circumstances what's actually bringing their 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 level down. Um, yeah, I on the dig side, I just don't see them ever. I don't see Jensen coming out. down far enough and dig coming up high enough for them to meet. That's the thing.
2: I don't think Jensen's coming back this spring. Like that's also just the like, summer, you mean? Or? I take maybe for summer with other, again, with other changes happening to rosters, there's a way that or a place where it makes more sense to Jensen um, slotting in. I think the more likely like mid laners that were floated on waiting room this week are people like Jezuke or Niski, who's one, one whose price might be lower uh but then therefore too i think who stylistically you know playing different you know different types of players might be more akin to just being slotted into something and and causing chaos
0: yeah right mark are you still with us i don't know what happened
1: yeah i saw that on stream and i I tried to turn my cam off and on again i'll try and rejoin the call maybe
0: yeah sure we know Um, what you look like blue jay uh anything you want to shout out before we go on to our next caller
7: yeah, I just want to shout out uh, Bjergsen, actually because I think he absolutely popped off in the one team fight against Immortals, and I was hoping that maybe High could do—I don't know if it's a High segment or whatever—but maybe High could do a segment about that team fight with Bjergsen. I feel like those two go way back and have good chemistry. So it was just you
2: a fight, which there. Might, fight against the
7: uh, 23 minutes, Immortals fight. That's just uh, taking Birson, notes. Bjorkson dodges everything and lands every laser on Victor. He was an absolute beast. So <laughs> I think he deserves a shout out for that. Mark I is going to be I in the.
0: At it. Mark is going to be in the broadcast weeks tomorrow. And Dash is going to go. You know, there's just that one fight that I saw that I really think this would be a great segment. Uh, <laughs> I, I
7: think that's what the high segment is for, isn't it? Isn't it yeah. for like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Anyways, I, I feel like. Well, maybe I shouldn't spoil this. I have a funny idea as well for this segment now that I would actually want to do on broadcast. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Wow. Blue Jay, yeah, maybe, thank you maybe for I'll the... Hold uh... Blue Jay, you've sparked a good idea for me. Yes. yes. All right. Thank you.
7: Glad, glad I could help, guys. Uh,
0: thank you, thank you, uh, Blue Jay, for the call. And we'll catch you next time.
7: Thanks for having me on, guys. Take yeah. care.
0: Have a good one. Good, good call. Good, Good discussion. I really appreciate that. Alright, while Mark is grabbing the next caller, thank you to Team Corgi Mid for the two years. I think I got you before, but just in case. Uh, Takuchi, uh, Zin Diesel for gifting a sub, and for subbing, and for gifting another sub, and then Fish Emuls. Thank you, everybody, for the subs. Uh, great great time to send in your primes. Uh, taco, is, here. is it Taco or Takeo? It's Taco. Taco. Uh, welcome to the show. Where are you calling from?
5: I'm calling from Yokohama, Japan.
0: Yokohama, Japan. Wow. This might be our first caller from Japan. That's sick. Uh, What do you want to talk about on the show?
5: So uh, my topic is uh, that it's time that we accept Fudge as one of uh, the top mid laners in the league. And I put top three mids in my take.
0: Okay, go for it.
5: Yeah, so I was looking at Oracle's elixir uh for the mid laners and I love it you know, when any call this...
0: starts with I was looking at Oracle's elixir. Sorry, continue, but it's always a it's yeah. a it's a hotline league classic. Okay, go for it. Yeah,
5: uh so I was looking at the mid laners for the league and you know going into the season we talked about Fudge as you know great top laner, but we're not so sure about mid and he's probably gonna grow into the role. And looking at his stats, he pretty much is top two or three in most of the uh, the stats I looked at. The main one that I wanted to note though is his death share on his team. Yes. Uh, is very low, I would say. It's 14.3% of the deaths on C9. And then he's actually top one in kills in the league, uh, top two KDA, and top two or top three uh, kill participation. So I think he does a good job enabling his team while also not, you know, putting himself at risk. Uh,
1: does anyone, is anyone going to go a different direction? Does anyone what? disagree?
2: That he that he's not top three?
0: Yeah. Who, I mean, who else? Who are your other two, Taco?
2: Yeah, curious what yours are, Taco.
0: Uh, honestly, I just said,
5: I said top three because I wasn't sure where to put him exactly, but he's probably top two looking at those stats.
2: And you're saying only Bjergsen's better than him?
5: Probably, yeah. Or on par with him right now.
2: So names I want to throw out there uh, would be uh, Takui, actually, right now, who I think is uh, playing as one of the be- one of the better mids. I'm just not giving my own personal top three, just putting other names into the conversation. Uh, Takui, and then uh, you're probably looking at JoJo as the only other uh mid laner who probably could be argued so that's four mid laners right there mark out of those four is fudge in the top three for you i think so
1: i think the the big one that the caller hit that i agree with is like death share or just deaths you know like share can sometimes be weird because you're talking about like well maybe it's just a really reserved team or whatever uh or like the team's crazy and he's the reserved one you know but he actually has only died once pre-15 minutes uh in spring so far
2: Uh, Even before you get to death share, just look at flat deaths, right? He's at 15 for the split, which is second lowest on mid laners. Bjergsen has 11. So even if you just look at that, he's averaging barely over a death a game. Yeah, Sounds like a coward.
0: Not putting himself out there and making (laughs) good plays, taking risks.
1: I mean, the thing is, too, like, I think he understands he doesn't need to, like, try and smurf fights, you know? Like, I, I, I think him in a role swap his first split not getting exploited is impressive. I think that's the angle I would take with it. It's not that like not dying is inherently good or not, but just uh, the fact that as a role swap player, he's played a shitload of different champions too. There's no champion pool issues really. He's played two Ari, two Corky, two Ryze, Ivern, Soraka, Aurelia, Zillion, Orianna. You know, um, he, he's not just like playing the same champ spam pick and he's not getting exploited in lane really. He's actually highest in XP differential at 10. Um, those gold difference and CS is not great. I think he's playing for Blabber and the team. Uh, yeah. and you can see that in his picks and stuff. I just don't think he's trying to carry. I think he understands that like, Blabber and Summit are kind of the early game forces. He actually has really low mid-jungle proximity, uh, as well as the fact that Blabber and his bot lane has really low jungle proximity. Um, the game plan is very much like, let Blabber do whatever the fuck he wants, and he only comes to lanes to kill people before he goes back on to like farming. And I think that Fudge has a, a very good identity within the team. Um, and like you said, he he actually just he just plays well. He's just good.
2: Yeah, I kind of I think I just agree with the take. I um, oh go ahead. Ash. Shit, I kind of want it like because it the way it's framed, it does sound spicy. But I well here, I'm let me ask you guys. a Comment that I saw in chat. Somebody said to me in a weird way. This is maybe almost more commentary on the. Uh,
0: uh, mid lane pool.
2: Uh, on the mid lane pool. Damn exactly. it! This is I where mean, I was going is... to take it. Sorry, I was going to yeah, ask maybe, you guys. Yeah, maybe it literally it is... is just more commentary on the power of the LCS mid laners. Yeah. Right now, I mean, do you, but...
0: Do you guys think mid lane has just sort of been disappointing? It sucks this year. <laughs> I I mean, because uh-huh. I've seen actually a lot of people in the chat are talking about JoJo. I am not a JoJo hater, but I'm also not a JoJo fanatic like uh, one Tim Seven Houston, uh, who I love. But I like has Jojo been a bit of a disappointment and has blue who like started off lock-in looked really good. And then now like, uh, wh- what do you guys think this says about the other mid laners? Cause it does kind of feel like the pools, not well, like I last was- year we had perks. We had Jazuke. Obviously we didn't have Soren, but like we had Jensen. It felt like last year there was a lot more going on in the mid lane. And this year it's not so much.
2: So Mark, I I don't know what you think, but I think I think it's a combo of two things. Number one, um, it's just a year where we have a lot of quote-unquote younger, uh, less experienced mid-laners getting their first big shot. I mean, a number of these guys, yes, have played at times in the past, but for a number of these guys in a major region, they're getting their first full split, um, you know, as starters. So it kind of just feels like it's the changing of the guard, and maybe in another year, a lot of these players like JoJo are going to realize their potential. And the conversation around Midland will be very different. So one, it's, a co- it's like, a, it's, uh, you know, people like Jensen and jazuke exiting the league and being replaced by these younger guys. But I think the second piece of it, to some degree, is probably just uh, the meta right now and what it affords mid laners uh you know in terms of the ability to look or uh you know uh showcase themselves as you know uh the best player on the rift or something like that and i guess my point being that like a player like fudge can play everything from top lane champions like aurelia you know that he has tons of experience in in uh and also mid lane champion to be fair uh anything from aurelia to soraka or ivern and be effective right um, so it may also be a commentary on what the meta looks like right now for, for mid laners and that like playing Vagar doesn't really give a lot of mid laners a ton of space to really pop off and, you know, uh, and and put themselves above fudge on a tier list. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people called out the fact that the mid lane
1: pool was kind of shit this year. Not yeah. like bad, but just like not a super competitive position where you have a ton of experienced players. and. That's why I was kind of excited for because the question was, who's going to rise up and join? Because when you look at name power, it's like Bjergsen, Abadaga, and... POE. Uh, PO, POE should have been the, the top three, and it's like, who can break into that category? Because the other seven are kind of up in the air. And since then, I think POE's done better recently. Uh, he's been spam picking Oriana. Oriana, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's just fair. defaulted to Oriana to be like, fuck it, my team needs wins. Uh, I think he's still good, and I think uh, Aba's been struggling and Bjergsen's good, and so it's it's really just like... Who else do you want to really jump up there? I think Fudge has, has done it. I think JoJo, he's individually quite good. He's the only one who, of, of these mid laners who feels like an aggressive mid laner. Like, I, I feel like with Jizuke leaving the scene, Perks leaving the scene, not just in terms of skill level, but play style, they were down to look like idiots to, to make a play. And I really think JoJo is the only one in the league who feels that way right now, where he's like willing to kind of look like a dumbass because he thought the play would work. I guess
2: a Blaze Olive kind of fits into that at the I mean, right moment. Maybe, maybe Kaiduo It's kind. very yeah, funny but not LCS anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's very uh, funny that uh, <laughs> it's very funny that they replaced Jazuke to get a mid laner who uh, it's and plays a little too aggressive and honestly feels like he's performing worse than Jazuke did. And maybe part of that is like well, we'll have a franchise player for a very long time, but like I don't know. Just yeah,
1: I mean, I think that's the reason. And he's young and there's more of a ceiling there whereas Jizuke, I think, you know, you've seen his ceiling more or less with the world's performances and stuff. You know he's good, but um, I think they want to take a bigger risk on JoJo. And JoJo, I think the problem he's running into is like he doesn't seem to work that well with his team. I don't know if it's his communication or what, but him and Inspire don't get a lot done. He's second in kill participation in the league only behind Kaiwo, uh, who, like, Dash said, is not in the league anymore. So, you know, like it feels like Jojo gets these leads, but he doesn't know exactly how to transfer them to other people or call resources to him. Like when you watch, like, dude, TL is fucking Bjerg's whipping dog. Like everyone goes mid at like anywhere between level, like, you know, Santorin's doing level two cheese ganks. They're flashing on mid with core JJ roams Like, God, they know how to set Bjerg up. And I just don't see that with, with, with Jojo. I don't see them ever seem to play that well to him um yeah core is just good i mean like there's, there's other factors i'm not saying it's just jojo's fault but I, I feel like you don't see either him get the resources the way he needs maybe it's him calling for it i i don't know as someone who's not you know fly on the wall but <laughs> it's uh I, I think it's why he doesn't jump off his stats look better than his his playing game does i think
0: I, is, is- on the jojo thing it's actually so annoying because people on twitch chat and i've seen this elsewhere on like twitter and stuff like that are like Anyone who thought Jojo was going to come in and just instantly be at his top form is trolling. I'm like, guys, guys, I love the trash talk. I want to, I don't want to say things that will dissuade people from trash talking. By all means, trash talk and like let EG like push and all this stuff. But like, don't fucking tell me that like EG was not pushing him as if he was like the second coming of Christ. Uh, And then, and then later on, and then after he doesn't end up like styling on everybody everybody gets to go like oh come on he's just like a rookie okay be nice like it's gonna take a while like shut up like this is this is not the way this player was positioned by anybody going into the start of this year and so like you either hold him to the standard that people positioned him at or you you like move, move on because i don't know, it's just so stupid
2: well so to bring so to bring that back to the original point which was fudge right it kind of works the other way as well where I think Fudge is getting a lot of credit for his performance in the mid lane, because we were all very much told, like, don't expect anything. You know, he was like, Hey, I'm swapping. It's going to take me some time to learn. I'm doing it because we have this other incredible top laner come in, but I am going to be, you know, learning in a more supportive role, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I think that does to a degree feed into that context feeds into so far our, our evaluation of him, which has been quite positive because he's outperforming even the expectations that we had. I'm ultimately just mad because top three, role swapping mid laner, top three in the league should be a really spicy take and all of us ultimately agree. I saw you. Um, it's a good take, so Taco, uh, you have a good take, but I'm like mad that we all agree.
0: Dash, I said, on uh, the desk now. this weekend, I don't know if it was the desk or if it was in the um. it's not, what do you guys call it now, not Countdown? Waiting,
2: uh, room. waiting Room.
0: Waiting Room, yeah, yeah. You guys, you're gonna run out of names soon. Um. But uh, I saw you on at some point in time. I think there was a tweet or something that was brought up, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah." By the way, we've had to talk about all this other C nine stuff, but again, everyone remember that Fudge roll swapped. Like, let's <laughs> talk about this finally. Um, it was it was it's funny to to hear you bring it back here again. Uh, Ta- Taco, thank you again for the call. Um, it sounds like yeah, Fudge should be getting more attention, and uh, I'm glad that you were able to bring it up, and and we'll see how that narrative continues to build over the course of the year is there anything that you want to uh shout out before we go on to our next caller
5: uh yeah shout out hotline league you guys are great uh also resident refresh i've been loving it uh ever since you guys started that and yeah shout out to the uh, analyst as well i think you guys do a great job so thanks
0: awesome thank Thank you, you uh taco for the call and we'll catch you next time all right uh, Mark is off to grab the next caller. Thank you to Zin Diesel who continues to give subs to Jask Jasky D and then Pedro Polo, thank you for the sub as well. Did you move recently dash
2: I get uh, side by the background. About a year ago. Okay. Um so bought a house.
0: Oh right, I remember you 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 tweeted about it and uh still don't know how you did that, but congratulations. Uh Thank you. I, yes. Um, KSM is here. KSM, where are you calling
6: from? Hey, what's going on? Uh, I'm calling out of Endicott, New York. Uh, for those who don't know, who that is it's, uh, right next to Binghamton, which is like south of Syracuse. Nice. Upstate
1: New York. Yeah, I used to always used to ride Greyhound buses through upstate New York.
6: Hey, there you go.
0: I love anytime we get anybody who calls in from the Boston or upstate New York area, I'm just like, Mark can relate to this. Anyway, KSM. <sighs> Uh what do you want to talk about on the show?
6: Um well my take is uh orgs should hold their players more accountable for uh fuckups that they, you know, that that's 100% their fault uh rather than just letting the orgs oh. do whatever the fuck they want, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know Are you know, the I'd
0: guy say, that I told to call in on Twitter cuz we were disagreeing on Twitter?
6: I I sure am.
0: <laughs> okay, yes, fantastic. Okay. Why don't you... Uh, I can't find this, the, the Twitter chain, but what, do you want to explain what your, how, how this conversation came about?
6: Uh, yeah, actually, I have the Twitter right here. Hold
0: on. Anyway, I think it was when I... So I tweeted, for, for, while you're looking for it, I, found, I think I found it. But uh. this, the, for context, last week, TSM announced that Shenyi was going to come back. Hi yeah. K-, K I do was gonna go out and then they said that the, they explained finally in an interview um chawi their coach said that it was because shenny was originally summed out in part because he locked in a champion that he uh that like the the coaching staff and uh, he wasn't supposed to lock in on stage and then whenever they confronted him about it he was like very adversarial or you know something to that effect rude uh, yeah, uh, yeah so, rude right? rude was the word um then, so I tweeted this out because, um, that they like upcomer led with the headline that, like, oh, Shinju's back and Kato was out. And so I just tweeted out and then uh, linked to, in the Twitter, Twitter thread to this thing. One, a bunch of people thought that I was the one that was breaking the news, which is not the case. If you look at the chain, I'm linking to the upcomer uh, or the tweet from TSM with the upcomer article. But then a bunch of people accused me of being TSM PR, which was very, very funny. And, uh, Strange because I I don't know what I like that same week I like I put out a video that was like here's why TSM sucks and then a bunch of people had the take which was I think Dom uh, Dom made a joke about how like haha he's actually should be doing this because the coaching staff sucks but a bunch of people had the take then that shit was right to be doing this and shouldn't have been punished which I thought was like a a take that I never expected to go in in that direction. It was just kind of a shit show. I've almost forgotten that this happened. I don't know why it was <clears throat> only a couple days ago. But, hello, caller, please break, break down how the conversation went.
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, basically you just said uh, Chenyi Yolo locked. I'll read the tweet. Uh, Chenyi Yolo locked a champ on stage and then was rude to the coaches when they confronted him about it. Hopefully this shows out the TSN fans who, brought, who thought he was a huge victim in the situation. Uh, someone responded was basically like, um, "It was it hard? was it that hard to give clarity, essentially? And you said it could be it could be hard to give clarity. People act like all this stuff happens in a vacuum, which is true. Uh if you're trying to rebuild a shitty relationship with a player on a team, throwing them under the bus isn't a great start. Now, where I disagree is I I don't necessarily think this is throwing someone under the bus. Uh it's simply just because like if it's something they literally did, it's a hundred percent their fault. As long as TSM is actually this is true, which I would assume it is, um, let's for argument's sake say it's true um if if what they're saying is true then i i don't feel this is throwing like i could see if like here's why i think it's not throwing uh throwing chenyu in the bus if if chawi was like yo like i don't think rel's a really good pick here like if you want to pick it like eh but just pick nautilus or something like that and then he just fucking picks you know Rel. Anyway. uh, Okay, that's throwing him in the bus because technically you said, like, yeah, you can pick this champion, that's fine, but, like, I'd rather you play this. But he literally just fucking yellow locked a champion, was like, fuck it. Full send. Uh, He should own up to that. I don't think the org should be pussyfooting around this issue. Like, it's like...
0: So just on... just Not to get lock in semantics, but the only thing I want to say is I think it is absolutely throwing somebody under the bus to say, if I go to Dash's house and I spit on his floor when he's not in the room. And then Dash walks in, and Mark goes, by the way, Travis, just spit on your floor. Even though, yes, I spit on his floor, I've, he is still throwing me under the bus. You, I'm not throwing you under the
1: bus, like, because that's just telling the truth. Yes, but that's, that's what, what it saying. is.
0: You're exposing, whenever you expose somebody, that somebody did something, no, you're throwing, throwing them under the bus. No, throwing someone
1: under the bus is, like, intentionally making them look worse. Like, you spitting on a floor is a fucked up thing to do. I, yes, you.
0: but you can. I think we all need to just figure out what this this definition is, but maybe not right yeah. now. Regardless, right, uh, your regardless, your I'm take is KSM. Take I, is, I digress. Is yes, uh, your so, your take. I'm sorry about your floor dash, uh, KSM. But your your major <laughs> thing is that uh, TSM should have just been willing to say this from the start because it was uh, Shenny's fuck up, and so yeah, who cares? Well, who I, I, fuck think, I
6: think we. So, To clarify real quick, I'm not condoning, like, 100% transparency all the time, 24-7. And also not, you know, vice versa. I'm not, you know, asking for some PR bullshit every single time. But I, I feel like in this situation, in certain situations, you should be able to tell the difference between, hey, this player needs to take responsibility for his actions, and hey, maybe I shouldn't release this to the press because fans will not understand or they won't relate to a certain issue. Um, yeah. Uh, for I, I example, think, like, like the upset situation. Here,
0: here, here, we get, here, let, let Mark cut in.
6: I think, I think we, let's let Dash talk.
1: Uh, sure. I know Dash loves oh. talking to me about coaching stuff, so I would love yeah. to let him go I, first before I chime in. Crap. Let's get the hosts on to talk.
2: I kind of wanted you to go first, Mark. Um, oh, you want me to go first? Oh, Mark, go, Marco. Yeah, you go first.
1: I'll defer whatever you prefer. Uh, for me, I am admittedly too far on the transparency side i admit that when i was a coach there were times that players did fucked up things and i they you know players love issuing ultimatums to be honest i i feel like i i get an ultimatum every every couple of weeks and i was always the type to be like call the bluff you know fuck you and you know let's like i don't feel like i did anything wrong and so like the whole like mutually assured destruction thing is never going to work with me most of the time you know like i was always down to to kind of be willing to to, to like Take those situations on. And it's the same way when a player does something. I kind of agree. Like, I didn't make you do that. You chose to do that. And I think this is one of the disconnects, again, with traditional sports. It's like, for the most part, you don't air dirty laundry of, like, every single thing that goes wrong. Because there's going to be millions of things that go wrong over the course of a split. But when someone does something especially egregious to the point that you bench them... I don't think you need to protect them necessarily, and I think you see this in traditional sports all the time. Michael, Mike Singletary had a legendary pop off about a player who you know, he can't play with them, can't win with them. He roasted him to the media, and then they ended up getting back together again because you know the player got called out. It's so, not that unheard of to have players who have disciplinary reasons for things that you do to have those kind of come to light, and. The biggest problem with this messaging for me is not that they didn't give clarity about exactly what the disciplinary actions were, but they tried to sell it as developmental reasons. And it was so clearly nonsensical because like, why are you bringing this player and putting him down into academy to develop? And because you're doing one thing for one reason and telling a completely different reason to the public, we can pretty quickly be like, this doesn't make much sense. And then the Shenyi conversation leaks and then this whole other thing spills out as a result. So like... Um, it's, it is, I think, the bigger problem to bench someone for disciplinary reasons and say developmental reasons and then let everything spiral out of control from there.
0: So really, really quickly, because uh, Dash is apparently down to go last, um, the, the, the situation here is I think oftentimes about 100T, because 100T, when 100T Cody suns someone... That is when, uh, some, uh, whatever I feel like there's a lack of transparency and like it's too, it's too much or whatever. It's just like really weird, right? Because it's happened multiple times, right? Or, or was it Medios where it happened multiple times? Was it both of them? I forget. But like, I remember what, 2019 or something like that. We had Nate shot on and like it was an uncomfortable episode. He hasn't been on back since and all that. But we talked about how there was like this lack of transparency around, uh, what happened. Yeah, it was, it was Medios. Um, uh, Cody Sun it happened once with Cody Sun and I think twice with me and then um, Like that that is Very frustrating and I agree that there needs to be more transparency the difficulty And it's hard for me to speak on this compared to mark because mark obviously was on the coaching side But I can understand I think fans should probably understand why it might be difficult when you have a player who doesn't respect you and your team presumably because Shenie seem to you know be rude about it on the way out um and like they're brand new to this org and you're trying to brand build around this player that's like just showed up and has played for like 2 weeks and you are trying to build like this trust with the player to be like you fucked up and now we're going to publicly shame you for it by like releasing the reason why rather than saying hey we're benching for disciplinary reasons and so i think there is something in between what Hunter T has done in the past and what TSM has done, and then like Noah Winston firing somebody or threatening them at an in and out or whatever happened, uh, I forget, um, a long time ago with Overwatch. There's something in between, or I guess the Bud Light Ace is, I guess, the the better example of the 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 Bud Light Ace, the
1: Cloud9 benching. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so I think that is why it is... It is frustrating to me because I sit in the middle and I can understand, even as somebody who loves like the transparency of this stuff and wants to like talk about it and all that stuff, I can understand why uh complete transparency and you know putting your players out there, whether it's throwing them under the bus or whatever um and and just instantly like hitting their reputation, they have to live with that they have to deal with all this stuff, and like i I think that that can be difficult and so. That is the only thing I was going with on Twitter whenever we were in that conversation, KSM is like, it is difficult for me to just be like, yes, every org should just say everything and every reason that they're benching every player and all this stuff because sometimes there are things behind the scenes. Like there there are long-term ramifications for that player's brand, for your relationship with that player, for a lot of stuff that I think goes into it. Mark, presumably, is uh, like actually, that's not the case at all. I was a coach, so shut up, Travis. But uh, um, no,
1: I, I just think like, um, relationships don't do stupid have, shit. I mean, wait, one, like, one, one, don't know. do stupid shit, and like it's not as simple as that
0: because people focus on the Shenny thing, and it's like we should, like, as it's like, oh, Shenny deserves this, okay, yeah, maybe, but also you have to continue to work with this person for potentially the rest of the year or for the rest of their contract or whatever. Maybe you don't want them shit talking you behind the scenes, like. It, I get it, because I am the type of person that, you know, kind of likes the justice porn stuff, or what, what, leopards eat, ate my face, or whatever, the, the Reddit thing, for those that are familiar. Like, it, it's fun sometimes where it's like, this person fucked up. Okay. Now, these are the fucking consequences. Uh, but there's also the practical nature of, you you have a long term working relationship with this person. Well, if you just go out there and shove them like that, can be detrimental to your long term goals.
6: It's a, a two way street. Now, I mean, well, hold
1: on. Let me let me get in here because the the like the the brand damage, the player damage, the relationship damage, all that can be mended. Like you can get, you can just talk it out. Like a lot of these things, like people get back together again. You know, it's it's usually not the end of the world. Like uh, people are so worried about brand damage for a player. Dardock had a whole fucking documentary made about him, and he's been through eight more teams since then, or whatever it yeah, is. What's you know, his like brand like these days? What's that?
0: What's his brand like these days?
1: No, but my point is, he literally got
5: <laughs> sure.
0: Jobs it didn't, it didn't for stop years. his career.
1: He didn't fucking die and leave the scene because a team yes. said that he was toxic. You know, like it, if you if you say a player did something wrong, they're not going to disappear off the face of the earth. You know, like it, it's not that drastic, and it's the same with like. If you if you find a way to tactfully do the PR, because that's the important thing. You don't just want to blast. I agree, you don't want to blast your player, but like they, they ended up telling the saying it here anyways. Um you can find ways to navigate the situation and still have a relationship with that person. And I I think that's the that's the hard part of PR is doing that correctly. But I don't think just saying other reasons and confusing your fans and, and everyone else is is a better solution. So I, I just think it happens, shit happens, and like People can do water in the bridge. Poe got burned so bad by TL. Poe got fucked over by TL and Steve back in the day. What happens? And this is when they were cursed. But then you know what happens? He goes to win some titles. With yeah, them. Immortal sells
0: they his contract and he ends up on the team without a, his. Uh, without his. No, obviously it worked out long term. Um, but yeah, it's not like he my, signed my up for like, that TL thing.
1: Like people and brands and orgs do different things. They cross each other over, but the scene's so incestuous that like people make it work.
0: Yeah, you know, like it, it, and just it, to be it, it clear. Works. Just to be clear, I'm not saying what TSM did was right. Before a bunch of randos on the fucking YouTube comments come out and are like, "Can't believe Travis is defending TSM on this thing." Like, obviously, the, especially them saying like we're benching for developmental reasons and we want to make them feel comfortable. That's like really weird. Whenever, obviously, that wasn't the case. Dash, close us out here. Bring us together.
3: Oh my goodness. Oh, Heal so these
0: much- wounds. I know.
2: Um, I, I mean, okay. So number one, I think it's um, uh important to recognize that there's no objectively right answer, uh, in this conversation here. But also, um, we've- we've departed from at least what was originally stated as the, uh, as the take here. Which is, number one, orgs should hold players more accountable for fuck-ups. And we've now moved on to the PR handling of fuck-ups, which is one piece of accountability. Because actually addressing the original take, I agree, orgs should hold players more accountable for fuck-ups. The fact that a player can be on stage and can ignore a coach directive and pick a champion and perhaps doom the results of, of, uh, of a game for the, the team when you only play 18 games in a, in a split, that's, that's terrifying. Like, that that situation can even happen. And that there are environments and circumstances um, where, uh, where that can happen. So I do agree teams need to hold players more accountable for fuck-ups. But there are ways to hold players accountable, which is not putting them on public blast. That's a different conversation. to the to the conversation that kind of uh, was spurned out of this, which is about how do teams deal with it, you know, from a public relations standpoint. I think one thing that's really important to recognize is that orcs have to juggle responsibility for their own brand, for their players, um, for the league and for the fans right so they they aren't responsible just to themselves or just to the fans or just to the league or just to the players they're responsible to all those things so there is some middle ground i think in where uh everything that you guys have been talking about is the correct answer and i think this tsm um example is the perfect uh like case study for it because in essence we, what we saw was all of the negative effects that being, that not being straight with your PR uh, can have, right? Things like not only it being damaging to your org, but it being damaging to your other players. The fact that Spica is now under mental distress because the fan base is going after him and he now feels obligated to speak out against it and to deal with it. They, you know, their one in eight can very much actually probably be a pr- like, you know, would, how much better would they be? I don't know. But could two they, and eight. <clears> right? <throat> could they well, could they be, yeah, could they be two and seven or three and six instead of one and eight if they weren't having to deal with, if they had just dealt with this the right way the first week that it happened, right? Which is to say, we're benching Shenyi for disciplinary reasons, you know, you don't have to tell me what they are, right? Or you can say for disciplinary reasons, and that's as much as we're willing to tell anybody at this point. We expect to have him in academy for two weeks before he returns to the LCS. Just be clear and direct with what your intentions are in the move. A, enough information to justify the move, even if you're not giving the details of the situation. But to give no reasoning, first of all, then to follow up with incorrect reasoning uh, is just, I mean, it's just a cascading issue. Um, so ultimately, yes, org should hold players more accountable. That's something that I talk to Mark about all the time behind the scenes. Is like I'm frustrated at the idea that coaches uh and support staff don't have more power in a sense to just to reduce it to a single term don't have more power over their teams like that comes from my traditional sports background i cannot imagine a world where i just like completely disregarded something that my coach told me we might have that argument but we're going to have it in a space that is constructive or rather just you know uh, gives us the time to hash it out we're not going to do it on this. I'm not going to be getting on the line for my 800 and then turn to my coach and be like, "By the way, screw you. I'm going out real hard and I'm just going to try and win the, you know, and uh, you know, burn it from from start to finish." Like that doesn't make any sense. It's not what we practice. It's not what we talked about. So absolutely, a coach should be able to hold me accountable for that. But it is weird to me. Uh, esports is, uh, I think, just a young ecosystem where uh, players do hold uh, too much power. Uh, it seems in a number of cases when it comes to the way that things are run behind the scenes
1: and i think uh to that point like i don't there there are multiple like it's funny because double if medios and sneaky on their like podcast earlier we're talking about the other end of this where they feel like orgs have too much power too yes
0: um i was just saying that i I was gonna bring that up
1: yeah I, i feel like there's different sides to it and i think it also depends a lot of times like a star player will obviously still have that sway, even in traditional sports. You know, like you don't really get to tell LeBron to fuck off, probably, no matter who you are as the coach.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, you're right. Bjergsen, right? You're going to handle something with Bjergsen very differently than you're going to handle some, something or with JoJo, right? Like, just take yeah. one of the, like, absolutely different players, different times in their careers, they demand different amounts of respect and different ways of working with each other. Yeah. You, you know, um, yeah, Tom Brady probably got away with a lot of whatever the hell he wanted. You know, to get Andre away kind with. of talked about um, this
0: on the call with revenge a couple weeks ago. Tom
2: Brady so. was a saint; he only <laughs> ever
1: did things correct. All right, or he all right, right. Was, exactly, all right. Exactly. He got Back away to with being the hardest worker on the field is what he got. All away right, with. all
0: right, all right, all right. Uh, yes, no, it is very funny because I do think players hold a in, in a lot of areas more power than the the teams do in this place. But if you if you look on online, a lot of people are like. They should bring franchising back. These p- orgs have way too much power. It's very funny. Uh, KSM, thank you so much for the call, and thanks for taking... You're the, I, I have asked people who I have disagreed with online and Reddit comments and Twitter comments, YouTube, etc., to call into the show to have the conversation with me. They always wuss out. Uh, so thank you for actually calling in. I appreciate it.
6: Well, fuck you, Travis. I'm going to call you all every time. Great. Hell <laughs> yeah. Anything you want to shout out? uh yeah i'll i'll uh give a shout out um i'm gonna shout out my my son varian i love you my uh my my wife sila love you uh tsm's gonna make worlds oh i i don't know how but it's gonna happen they're gonna bring it back the miracle run
5: uh Very good.
6: that's it thanks so much for
0: the call and we'll catch you next time
6: right? <laughs> see you guys Peace, out, man. see it man that shout out was
2: going so well hey, wait, I, you know. Than, I
0: know i yeah. know it's like oh this is so wholesome he like also said changed, F- completely to changes
2: the lens of his take there yeah. when you, you realize it i didn't think he yeah. was a tsm fan either but now i am starting to yeah get it a little bit yeah better.
0: yeah no i mean whatever i i knew whenever he it takes a tsm fan to take me up on the call in on the show and uh and then also to say fuck you on the way out that's definitely a tsm fan right there anyway um mark you want to actually let's take a quick break to talk about the break yeah 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 let's take a quick break to talk about grubhub thank you to grubhub for sponsoring the show mark have you purchased or ordered any awesome deliveries uh as of late is officially grubhub is officially
1: my uh avocado toast delivery service okay basically i keep getting avocado toast all the time
0: well, what many people might – I've been ordering a bunch of stuff. Actually, I order – Dash, you're from San Diego originally, right? That is great. Uh, did you ever go to Rubio's down there, the fish taco place? It's so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's a little chain place.
0: Yes, they have one up in, in L.A. now, and I've been ordering a lot of Rubio's uh, lately, nice. which has been fantastic because I ate a lot of it growing up. Um, but uh, Grubhub is fantastic, and one of the things that is great about them is the Grubhub Guarantee. Which basically means that they, if your order uh, is not delivered on time, they will make it right. So it's, it's something I've only ever had to use once. I think it was out of their control, but they still owned up to it. And I was able to submit uh, the request for the Grubhub guarantee through it and get some credit back, which is awesome of them. So it just, I think Grubhub is a, it's a fantastic service. I've been using it a ton, obviously. Uh, they sponsor the LCS, which we love. And Yo, I
2: use Grubhub all the time. I'll give them a free plug. Not only will they make it right if the order's not on time, I've had orders that are screwed up, missing an item. It's really, really simple. Actually, you don't even have to interact with a person. You just get to click through, select the thing off your receipt, say it was missing, boom, refunded. Yeah.
0: No, it is It is super cool. So thank you so much to uh, Grubhub. Again, on time, lowest prices, or they'll make it right. That's the Grubhub guarantee. Um, if you all are interested in ordering Grubhub at some point in time in the future, Please use my link. You can use it in the uh, Twitch chat. Or sorry, in the Twitch chat, I'll do exclamation mark, Grubhub. But also on YouTube, you can use the link there. And when you do that, you help me win the battle to get more uh, credit for Grubhub than Riot gets for sponsoring their broadcast. So just make sure that I am the one receiving all the attention for that. Anyway, thanks so much, Grubhub, for sponsoring the show. Uh, uh, Dash absentmindedly nodding his head to me. Challenging the broadcast. I appreciate it. Mark, you want to grab our next caller? Uh, can I use the code more than once? So, Atis, the, the link that you you order through is actually endless. We do have codes sometimes, uh, not always, but promos. So look forward to more of those in the future. Okay. Uh, where are we? Thank you, too. Got the Dooms, Murder of Birds. Hey, uh, good to see you, Arnold. Uh, I got banned, so new account. Zendiesel gifted to I'm a a Hobolin, CoreJJ, and Dash. So I'm sure Dash will appreciate that sub. Uh, Thank you. A Korean guy is here. A Korean guy, where are you calling from?
8: I am calling in from Boston.
0: From sorry. You're a little quiet. Where?
8: From Boston.
0: Boston. Boston. (laughs) Uh, Okay. There we go. Uh, What do you want to talk about on the show?
8: So, my take is uh, that EG is overrated, and I, and I think it's surprising overall that there's a legitimate argument that FlyQuest is the best team after C9 and TL, and the standings say that, so. Gotcha. Um, yeah, like, uh, basically, like, I'm an eye test guy for the most part, um, they're smarter people than me, then that will know the answers and reasons why, but FlyQuest looks pretty good, and, for a team that wasn't really hyped preseason compared to, say, an EG or 100 Thieves, uh, who are, I mean, gotta be honest, they're pretty much dropping the ball here. And I'm not sure if it's FlyQuest playing well or if it's them just blowing it, but 7 wins out of 11 is 7 wins.
0: So, kind of the take is EG uh, was overhyped and FlyQuest was underhyped, and we're seeing that right now in the standings.
8: Yeah, and I, and it's... And it's, yeah, I think it's overall pretty surprising that FlyQuest is a legit, like, title contender.
0: Yeah. Well, do you, wait, do you, sorry, do you think they are a title contender? Do you think they're up there with C9 and TL? I mean, I
8: wouldn't, I wouldn't say, like, I mean, just, I, I think if, a, I think if a team is in third, I mean, I would consider that a title contender. That's just okay. me, but C9 and TL are definitely a tier above them.
0: Gotcha. Yeah.
8: Uh. All right.
0: So, it's finally time to hold EG accountable. Uh dash or Mark, whichever you guys wants to, to pop in first.
2: Um I don't know if I think that I don't know if I agree with this one. Um because I don't actually think that EG, at least in my book, wasn't necessarily expected to be a top 3 team. Uh maybe top 4, top 5. Um which they're very close. They are tied for fifth, uh, technically. Um, So I would say in a number of ways, EG is performing to chalk, Um, but also given that you're an eye test person, I actually think in a number of ways you can look at eye tests for EG at times, and you can explain away a few of their losses probably, um, and just see how the individual pieces are good, even though uh, the puzzle itself doesn't entirely fit together. Um, What's interesting about the fly quest side of things is uh i think the opposite like i think their record lies a little bit um i do think that if you look at um the two teams that they beat so far in the back half it's dignitas and tsm right, right. so they've beat uh the worst team in the league free win um and then they've beaten dignitas who we expect to be you know a middling team um, and so in a lot of ways, I think that seven and four in a sense kind of lies where EG lost to Cloud Nine this weekend in a rematch um and won against Immortals. Um, so you know, when uh if EG plays TSM and FlyQuest plays uh Cloud Nine, they get one game closer, right? Like, um, so I I don't actually think FlyQuest is our third best team. I think they're fourth. Fourth, fifth, sixth. I think EG is fourth, fifth, sixth as well, personally, is, is my current take on those two teams. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where you land on those two teams, Mark, but um, I, I would actually yeah, argue that FlyQuest is the one that's a little bit overrated and EG is pr- at performing um, the expectation.
1: I think uh, the lame answer will call my little column B because the thing that, that sucks about EG is how good they did in lock in tournament makes me want to think that they could have been a top three team. I think in the dive, we ended up putting them top three after watching lock-ins, even though they got slammed by TL in the finals. Um, And it's not the same way that I can see how FlyQuest, like I didn't think FlyQuest is going to be good, but now that we see that they're halfway decent and 100 Thieves is struggling and EG is struggling, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see how they're currently third. I don't actually think they're the third best team in the LCS. I'm part of, like the FlyQuest hater gang exists. I know it does. People are mad at Jat for being biased against them. Everyone's mad about us, everyone doubting FlyQuest, but it yeah, But, does it's,
2: make but sense. it's true. look at the way they got their wins, right. Like a number of their wins already we've talked about came off of the back of Smite Top, right? Like if you replay uh, all of the Smite Top games in the split without Smite Top being a thing, is FlyQuest still seven and four? Or are they uh, are they five and six?
0: Would either like of PG? you guys be surprised to see FlyQuest in Houston in a month, like for that third place or for that Saturday match? I guess I should say.
2: Yeah, I would not be surprised because again, that means they finish in fourth, like through the playoffs. Like they make they it finish to third, right? There's only three, is,
0: right? Isn't uh, it? Isn't it? Well, their well, double lim- the...
2: Oh, you're right. In the new format, you're right. You only sent three. Uh, two, Yeah, you're right. I was thinking, yeah, so you're right. Ooh, uh, then I would be surprised, yeah, by, gotcha. by my own power. But, there.
1: Yeah, but to that point, you know, like, uh, EG is dropping the ball, I feel like. 100 Thieves is dropping the ball.
0: That's what, if, I mean, if, that's my point is, like, I don't, like, I would not be surprised. It's not my expectation, necessarily. Honestly, actually, I'll say, I'll give, the, I'd give them equal odds with 100 Thieves and EG for being there. Uh, all of them are thirty three percent. Yeah, like it right now between those three, I'm not like, wow, EG looks a lot better than Fly. I mean, dash to your point, you're like, well, Flyquest is like third to fifth somewhere in there, and so's EG. Like, I, I, that's yeah. why I'm not necessarily surprised because I feel like they have as much of a chance of going as Hundred Thieves and EG. Also, by the way, not thirty three percent because I'm sure Dig and you know whatever uh, maybe GG or yeah, somebody has some extra points, is, but like so, yeah. for all intensive purposes, yeah, like. Or are equal chances between the three of those teams. So.
1: I like Raz's uh, point in Twitch chat. The typical Travis answer. Who knows? Anything is possible. No, from
0: here. I'm disagreeing with these guys, Raz. They're the ones saying there's no chance equal or, chances or they'd be for surprised. And I'm saying yeah. I wouldn't.
2: TSM, TSM will be there. Will you watch out. No, I, I mean, I actually do think we're in, a, we're in agreement, Travis. Like, because that's essentially what I'm saying, Is I'm saying FlyQuest is not, I think FlyQuest is not as good as their record. EG's not as bad as their record. And that is basically to say that all of those teams are competitive for third place. I think it is very clear that TL and C9 are better than the rest right now. Um, so then it does become about that battle for third place. And on any given day, any of those teams can win. Now, if you ask me to think about or like project growth onto these teams. That's where I can see a team like EG having more potential, you know, having more potential. Hundred Thieves recapturing, you know, their championship form and just blowing FlyQuest out of the water at that point. Um,
5: that
2: I, I don't you're... see the same. I don't see the same kind of old like firepower on FlyQuest as I do on EG and Hundred Thieves when they're playing at their peak. If we just assume they're playing at peak.
0: Well, let me. Here's the other thing that I think you're. You're wrong about dash. Yeah, take Bring that on. Raz. Um, uh, the other thing I I I think is is unusual is like I I don't think EG is playing where people expected them to be. Like, yes, maybe they're like at in in fifth place, and you expected them third through fifth, and people were placing them top five. But like when when I would at the beginning of the year, when people heard a lineup of Impact, inspired Vulcan. Again, everybody was hyping up JoJo and Danny, like the the boy genius from last year. I think people were like, "This is going to be a very inspiring team to watch." Uh, no pun intended. And instead, like I think that like people right now feel they're feel pretty similar to them and Dig and Hunter T and like I guess Hunter T is supposed to be good too, but right, like I I don't feel like people feel as though they really stand out from the pack uh, at this moment in time. And I think people did expect them to to be a very compelling team. And right now, I don't think they are that. Mark? Um, Now we're getting... This is only spring, folks, for the EG roster. Same thing we got for JoJo. Sorry, continue. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, it's one of those things where, like, Dignitas does it... Like, every year, there's one of these teams that you just kind of don't really believe in. (laughs) You know? It feels like we're, like, some of the top teams underperform. One of the bottom teams overperforms. And you get this team in the top of the standings that you don't believe in. They go into the first round of playoffs, and they lose. You know, Dig did this last year. This, that's kind of how FlyQuest feel to me, and I, I hope I'm wrong, you know, because it's, it's a fucking lame storyline to tell and just sell people not to get excited about this team, but it's hard to also talk about them and not feel like you're being disingenuous to your own thoughts when you yeah. say, like, no, they, you should really be excited about this FlyQuest roster. They are the third best team in the LCS. It's like, like I, can't, I can't physically say that with a straight face. I can't do so
2: it. So, like, only- The only I'm just going to get interjected with by looking at Manchester. The only two teams that uh, EG has lost to that are below them in the standings are CLG and Immortals. Otherwise, all of their losses this split come against two losses against Cloud Nine, one against Team Liquid, one against Hundred Thieves, and then it's Immortals and CLG. So those are the two they've beaten FlyQuest in their only meeting. Um, But so like
1: FlyQuest has only lost to C9, TL, Immortals, and EG
2: top teams. They've beaten Hunter Thieves, even. Well, there you go. But this is, I guess, this (laughs) this is my point of, like, I think all these teams are essentially even, right? Um, Which is both of these teams are losing to the teams above them. Uh, In the matchup between each other, it's EG who got the better. However, you could argue, then, that FlyQuest shows a little bit more consistency over the teams that they are better than. So they're getting getting more of the surefire wins. But to me, that actually stylistically lines up with the the, the two teams and the organizations like EG is a little bit more of a volatile team even if you have uh you know a really stable strong you know top laner in impact you've got Jojo who is just a different version of Jizuke uh this is a team that I think is prone to losing Vulcan himself as a as a support player I think is can is prone to having some major plays but then occasionally a misplay and so like It doesn't, again, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't think it surprises me where EG finds themselves right now. But you just said
0: that they're about even with each other. You would have expected, like, I think if they are about, if they're about even with each other in terms of strength, I think EG should feel bad that they're about as good as FlyQuest and FlyQuest should feel good uh, that they're about as good as EG with these rosters. I will agree with
8: that. I'm with Travis on this one. Okay, that's
1: fair. (laughs) I, I don't think I can, like, I don't think I'll ever be able to say the straight face, you know, FlyQuest is our third best team in the LCS until they're in. You know, Houston, like you're saying, Travis. Yeah. Until they've beaten the teams in the best of fives. But I can say that they're better than I thought they were based off my own preseason expectations. And they're doing better than anyone thought they would have. Jose Diodo's legit having his best split so far in NA uh, and looks like an actual powerhouse in some of these games. Afro is still Afro and a beast. And he has kind of brought Johnson back up to the level when people were excited about Johnson. And Takui and Kumo, who were the sole names people were worried about, are holding their own more or less. So, like, I think it's a much better team than we gave them credit for. But at the same time, I look at other rosters and I'm like, shouldn't you be better than that? Even with all the things I just said,
0: caller. But I guess not. Thank you so much uh, for calling in. Can, a I, uh, guy. can I
8: get one last point in?
0: Yeah, really quickly.
8: Yeah. So like, um, I think so. I guess I'm. I guess I'm a bit of a FlyQuest fan then, or believer, because I think it's. I think it's credit to FlyQuest that, given their the perceived lesser firepower that they have, that they out of between 100T, EG, and them, to me they have like the clears, like team identity, and like like I can I I see how they play. Um, and you know squads like EG or 100 100 Thieves who have all the talent that you know you might want, but they just can't put it together. You know I, I put a lot of credit I suppose, and this is just me. I put a lot of credit on ability to execute and put it together. And EG and 100 Thieves for all their talent. They're just not doing that compared to FlyQuest. so
0: any anything you want to shout out
8: um shout out no i mean the show you guys are awesome uh keep doing what you're doing and thanks. uh shout out to the uh broadcast desk you guys are doing a great job too
0: awesome thanks for hey. crane guy and we'll catch you next time
8: yep peace uh-oh
0: mark is now in the waiting room by himself there was oh somebody that waiting has clearly had some audio issues. Um, um, so hopefully, okay. Uh, yeah.
2: Do you mind? It's it's 9 p.m. It's my puppy's dinner time. Can I go snag her? And yes. 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 Real quick? I'll be right
0: back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hello? Yes. Uh, Dash has to go feed the dog. Oh, okay. here uh,
2: I'll li- I'll listen to the take and then okay. I'll go run and I'll okay. think about it. While sure. Sure.
0: Okay. Okay. Brandywine. Okay. Where are you calling from? Brandywine. Do we need to join the oh the no. waiting room? Uh, his
1: they're... mic lit up a second ago. I don't know what he's doing. You don't push to talk, do you? Forget about it. No, you just lit up a second ago. Just, just talking to you. Un- unmute yourself and talking to your microphone. Oh, I saw poor... your microphone light up. <laughs> I saw it on off, Discord. stop
0: berating this poor person who's probably panicking right now. <laughs> Dash, go feed your dog. We'll, we'll figure right it out. Um, <laughs> Mark is. I agree with t- t- Twitch Chat. Mark is definitely on one today. This is this is true. My cats um, are let's all join day. the waiting room because this has occurred before where we bring No no out. it wasn't working in the waiting Hello? room. Hello? Oh, there, there we go. go. Hello. Brandy oh, one. Oh, there Hello. it is. Finally. Yes. Where are you calling from? Working. Hello? Oh, there we go. Hello. Brandy oh, oh you're I think you, you need to you, you
5: mute need to to a, the
3: stream. Mute oh. the
0: stream because you're listening yes, to us. Through the stream. Stream. Yes. yes. I'm
3: here at okay. pass. Alright, yes, right. I'm calling from Southern Oregon.
0: From Oregon. Okay. How much of a panic were you going through as Mark was screaming at you seconds ago on the show?
3: I was going through quite
1: a panic as Mark. Was I, I've been okay. screaming <laughs> at him for about a minute too, because okay, I was screaming right. at him in the waiting room, and I was like, "Disconnect, rejoin."
0: Brandywine. First off, master. I would just like to apologize. The uh, treatment that you received is not the what you deserved. Um, appreciate that. What What is your your take?
3: So my take, I think this is the one I was pulled for. Um, is I think it's important for all of the fans of the LCS, um, and it's more related to the broadcast. Uh, I don't know if Dash is still here, but it is for Dash. We can film um, him. And my my take is that it would be awesome if uh, if Dash would share his hair care routine and any product recommendations with us tonight. Um, each week, I'm in awe of his luscious locks, uh, and as a fellow, uh, I guess I'm more dark blonde haired, but. He, He's liked brown hair. so that's close uh, person. Um, I will be taking notes on
0: this. Okay, we're winding down the show with a very it serious looks like Dash date. Caught,
2: caught the, the Dash, end of this one. Uh, what
0: is your hair care routine?
2: Um, so I mean, what's funny about this is all right. Bunch of disclaimers. Number one, our hair is not the same. So I've got to, I've got to go feed now,
0: a dog too, guys. Sorry, I'll be back in ten minutes.
2: Um, <laughs> so that's number okay, one. Okay. Um, but number two, um, the, the most important thing that uh, you can do is go get a good hairstylist. Um, I spend a lot of money on my hair. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a secret, but finding a very good stylist and somebody that you ultimately you know, trust and uh, feel comfortable having like, open conversations with about what your goals are for your hair is very important. Um, mm-hmm. Most of what I've learned like about... Yeah, in a, in a way, but like most of what I've learned about hair has come directly from my stylist. It's been me not knowing the answer to a question I have and then just being willing to ask it. Um, so one, find a good stylist, actually talk to them about what your hair goals are. In, uh, in concert with that, bringing photos is, I think, a very good way. Like, so, okay, if you really like my hair, bring a photo of me to your stylist and say, like, I like this guy's hairstyle. Um, One, do you think my hair can do that? What would be the process of growing towards that? And can we start to style my hair that way? Um, Or other people, again, I've basically literally gone to Google and just typed in men's hairstyles and then found pictures of hairstyles that I like and take them to my stylist. Um, They then will be able to direct you in terms of like what you need to do to care for your hair, ultimately cut it and shape it the way it needs to be. Then. Ask them to show you how to style your hair. I think one of the most common mistakes, again, is just assuming that a good haircut means that you're going to have a good hairstyle. It definitely helps. It's the foundation. But learning how to actually style the hair once it's cut is important. So I always ask my stylist, especially when I'm getting a new style, to say at the end of the haircut, like, would you mind styling it for me? And also talking out the steps that you're taking as you do it. Can you explain? So that's how I learned how to tease hair for the first time right? The, the process of getting heat onto the hair while using uh, a comb to, to tease hair to create volume. Um, That's where I've learned about other products, like using, like using powders uh, to create volume as well. Um, Don't over shampoo and condition your hair. I only wash my hair a couple times a week. Um, Then what else? Uh, Get a hairdryer for yourself. If the style that you're going for uh, likely requires one. I think a hair dryer is one of the best investments that a man uh, uh, can make. Well, for any person, wrong. It's a power tool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. After socket wrench comes hair dryer, um, and then um, let's see what else. I don't know. That's about. Oh, and then good product. But again, like products, I use different products depending on what the style I'm going for is. So, like sometimes I use. A very heavy wet, you know, pomade or something, because I want a tighter, you know, slicker look, uh, or I want the shine, or I use a matte, you know, uh, like a really dry, like kind of hard wax because I want it to keep its volume and have a matte look. Um, Sometimes I use pins and braids and uh, you know all kinds of things like that. So um, there's a tons of tons of different ways you can go for it. I think the best advice I can give is, is, yeah, talk to your stylist about what you need to do for your own hair health. And then about what your goals are and like, just become an active participant in that conversation.
1: Alternative oh. answer. Cause I'm sure you want to know from me, uh, head and shoulders, two in one dandruff shampoo. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a big dub. And the second thing is go one time, treat yourself to like one of those like really fancy salons. There's like these, like they're almost like retreats. Like they get you cucumber water and they like, you know, they like, the people who have strong opinions on, like, style and fashion. You go there one time, you say, fuck my shit up, fam. And whatever they do to your hair, you take a picture afterwards, you take some notes, and then you go back to your, like, local barber and ask them to recreate it. super Supercuts, yeah.
0: I'm still Love seeing Bjergsen's stylist, action. so uh, that's, that's where I'm getting my hair cut these days.
2: Do both and report back.
0: Um... <laughs> Well, what, you know, it's
2: really what, what works best for you. It could be the Head and Shoulders
1: two and one. It could be Dash's whole thing. Yeah, really.
0: I wow. I will be honest. Right, so right. the entire time this conversation was happening, I was looking at the viewer count on the stream because I was waiting for like normally at the end of the show, a bunch of people drop off, and I was like, okay, we. I thought we were gonna drop a couple hundred. We dropped fifteen thirty three to fifteen twelve, so we actually retained an incredible amount of viewership. I did not anticipate that. Uh, dash one quick question is how often, like I said,
3: it's an important topic.
0: How often do you go to the stylist?
3: Probably on,
2: uh, with my longer hair every four weeks, um, because you don't need to cut it as often. Uh, when I had shorter hair probably every three weeks, just because it starts to get unruly. But yeah, I get my hair cut often. I get it colored and tone like, Most of this is my natural hair color, but you can see highlights in here. Like, that is artificial, right? So, like, we are doing things to my hair to make it look more dynamic. And so, I get that done every few months. Um, Also, if you have a beard, take care of your beard. Too many people just have unkempt beards. Um, I go to a beard, uh, I go to a barbershop every, like, four months just to have them do it. And then I do my own trimming and grooming for, like, the in-between those four-month periods but having somebody kind of line everything up and again give you that example by which to to work from um always a good idea so you don't
0: you don't great. trust your stylist to do it for you
2: she no she does not want to do uh, uh okay. my beard, which is totally fair uh, so I, got, wow. I got a beard guy i got a hair girl
0: all right uh thank you
3: gotcha, gotcha.
0: caller anything you want to shout out
3: Uh, Just want to shout out at the end, uh, your sponsors for keeping you on the air. This show is great. Uh, For Brandon Sanderson for announcing five books the other day. And uh, to my lovely partner who etched me an awesome custom FlyQuest uh, wine glass for Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. Dope gift.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Brandywine, for the call. And we'll catch you next time.
4: Thanks. Have a good one.
0: Uh, it's funny. I was gonna shout out Brandon Sanderson in in the back half of this, um, uh, or at the end of this. But, Mark, what do you got for us? What do you want to plug?
1: Uh, plug Brandon Sanderson's yeah. uh, Kickstarter. It broke basically every Kickstarter record you can imagine, including the the biggest Kickstarter of all time. And it's for fucking books. That's dope. I pledged the four eighty for the physical copy plus the um.
0: Wait, I pledged five hundred. What was the four eighty? What's the, the twenty dollar difference?
1: What i don't know maybe i i don't know it was shipping oh you
0: play you paid for the shit yeah mine was like 620 yeah 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 it
1: It was it was the physical copy of the book like the premium copy and then it was the um the actual like gift basket or like the the weekly the monthly things right yeah box oh
0: 480 uh 480 plus 120
1: it was like 600 total i think oh there she is there she is Hello.
0: Oh, I'm also getting the audiobooks. You're not getting the audiobooks. No. That is the difference. Look at
2: that. Look at that girl. She's so cute. She's huge. She's already massive.
0: Podcast listeners, there's an animal. She just went outside and
2: found a rock. So now she thinks I'm going to take it away from her. So she's... Oh, you dropped it. swallow it? No, she just dropped it. Now she's going to try and climb down for it. But this is Azula. Everybody who's never met uh, Fire Lord Azula before. Um, She's just over three months old.
0: That dog's going to get big.
2: She's going to get massive. She's already over 20 pounds. Uh, She's a giant ball of energy, but I love her very much. Golden
0: golden Retriever?
2: Golden Retriever, yeah.
0: Yeah. Podcast listeners can just imagine a large puppy in uh, Dash's arms.
1: This is worth pulling up the YouTube video for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Dash, anything you want to shout out besides Azula?
2: No, just her. She's my world. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a ton to shout out at the moment. Like I said, I'm working on some stuff behind the scenes. Unfortunately, it's just not in a place to be announced uh, at the moment. But some exciting non-LCS stuff in the works, uh, which will be cool. Otherwise, um, just kind of pumped to keep grinding on uh, LCS and hopefully just keep making the product better for, for everybody. But uh, otherwise, thanks for having me on the show. It was a blast, yeah. as always
0: uh for me everyone i'd like to shout out brandon sanderson uh his uh four secret books that he announced uh, actually broke every kickstarter record that there is including the top highest kickstarter of all time no um i if if anybody wants to they can go look at my um my video that i put on the book channel everybody wants book channel videos i finally uploaded the unboxing that i did if folks did not see it on stream i've got some cool interviews coming out this week Uh, And also, I am headed to Florida tomorrow for Full Sail's uh, Hall of Fame week. So if you are there, let me know. I've never been to Winter Park, I think is the name of where I am headed. Um, It's outside of Orlando. Yes. Uh, So if you know anything about Winter Park, you have any recommendations, uh, please let me know. Anyway, that's the show. We'll catch you all next week. Uh, Thanks for watching. Oh, wait. Also, next week, Steve's going to be on. From Team Liquid.
2: Steve! He's a lot cooler than I am. Mark's former boss.
0: Uh, Anyway, thanks everyone. We'll catch you next week.